Blog Talk Radio. Black free thinkers, where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. Free thought, we don't walk by faith in the lost mind state, cause it's not quite safe. We don't recruit, we're not peers from a church, so don't be spooked, we're not here to convert. The only truth that's not pulled from a text. Show me proof that's not good after death. This is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through. A venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. The next tree branch is Rainer and it's best you listen to. Reason, science, and skepticism. It's loaded with straight facts, inspiring and dope. She can make Bill Nye retire his lab coat. Humans are hilarious, and every other Friday, I'd like to hear commentary on culture, people. So I hit up Super Mario and bring in Emmeline to discuss why we're capable of ultra evil. It's normal for my brain to have a two-way street, but if there's collisions, well then you got to just mention it. And don't be afraid of where the truth may lead, ignoring your position of cognitive dissonance. My Father Teresa preaches, it's hard to stop, so Kim paired me up with Alfred in the barbershop. I have a sin family and all these places now, as the free thought tree pollinates around. Yeah. This is the challenge to think for yourself. Break it out of the bottle and speak what you felt. 310-982-4273 to get through. A venue for community and this is the zone. If you'd like to speak with Kim, then pick up the phone. 310-982-4273 to get through. Black Where we walk by sight with a bright flashlight to illuminate night. We don't walk by faith in a lost mind state because it's not quite safe. All right. Hello and good evening. Welcome to Black Rethinkers Radio. You are tuned in to On Blast with Vita Star. I'm your host, Vita Star, along with my special guest, amazing, wonderful co-host and actual co-producer, Emmeline Mousseau. Hi, Vita. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much for having me on Blast. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to tonight's show. I think it's definitely a an issue that needs to be discussed, and I'm so, so happy to be co-hosting with you. Um, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time, and I really think this topic mm-hmm. needs to be discussed um, since tensions are still very, very high, um, especially in the black community and in the free thought community um, in recent weeks. Yeah, I totally agree, and, and that's exactly why we went ahead and did this topic, because we know that it's hot. This is very hot right now, because after the George Zimmerman verdict was released and he was found not guilty in the killing of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin, many came out in their communities marching and protesting and expressing their displeasure and utter disgust at the verdict. Then there were talks of boycotting Florida until they repealed the Stand Your Ground law. There was pressure put on the U.S. Department of Justice to file charges against George Zimmerman. There were many things being said and many things being brought forth, but how do we reach any real solutions to anti-black violence, and specifically anti-black male violence? How do we address the issues in the unfair criminal justice system? Where do we even begin? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, but before we even get to that, we have some recent news um, some recent news topics fresh off the presses that we want to, you to weigh in on. So feel free to call in tonight and join, in this, join this discussion. And right now we have some 
guest panelists that are ready to weigh in. Um, first, covering the worlds of music and mixed martial arts, we have freelance writer Anthony Springer on the line. What's going on? Hi, Anthony. <laughs> hey. Sound a little more excited, Anthony. <laughs> I know. Did you I'm, just wake I'm up? No, nah, I've, I've been up for a minute. I'm ready to go. I've been looking forward to the show since I was asked to appear today. Well, welcome all, back. All the folks that, uh, I, that I see like on Facebook and everything that I'll never get a chance to talk to. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. Well, welcome back, Anthony. To talk to us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Also on the line, we have Raina Rhodes. She is the host of the RSS feed here on Black Free Thinkers Radio. Welcome, Raina. Hey, guys. Thank Hi, you Raina. Hi, um. <laughs> it's so thank awesome you for joining us. Uh, no, thank, thank you for, for thank having you. me. I'm, I'm honored that you invited me. Thank you. Well, I'm honored that you accepted at the last minute. I know we didn't give you enough time. We like we even changed the topic because we just we saw how hot button this was, and we ended up changing the so, like I said, <laughs> like I said, uh, we're going to get into some recent news topics, and Emily's going to go ahead and introduce that for us. All right. Before we get into um, tonight's topic, we are going to go into current events hot topics. Um, now, if you haven't heard about the Anthony Weiner scandal, you must have been living under a rock. That is tonight's first hot topic. Um, Anthony Weiner. Um, is a man who I, I have the 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 article here. So I'm going to read snippet snippet of it. Um, the television cameras were ready, microphones on the podium, and reporters pointed their digital recorders at Democratic mayoral candidate Christine Quinn as she began her highly anticipated Wednesday morning news conference. Um, and then it kind of spiraled out of control when we found out that this man Anthony Weiner had um, sent some pictures of his wiener around. <laughs> and, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't see how, why this is such a big of a, big of a scandal, first off. Uh, I think people get a little bit overexcited about just the, the most um, inconsequential, insignificant things. Um, you know, they don't get mad when corrupt politicians, you know, blow through the public's money on cocaine and prostitutes, but this guy is sending pictures of his penis to consenting adults and everyone's up in arms. And you know what? To be perfectly honest, did he really ever stand a chance with a name like Wiener? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think they do. I think they do get. Um, I think they do get up in arms about the prostitutes and the cocaine. Um, but I think it all depends on the context. You know, if they if they pull out the, you know, I'm going. I've gone to rehab and I've, you know, uh, I've been forgiven by the risen Christ. You know, line. Uh, you know, they usually can find some some measure of forgiveness fairly quickly. Um, but it seems like particularly if the the person in question is a Democrat or a person of color. They seem to get demonized in a very um, in a very particular way. I think it's different I'm than so even, glad. I'm even so the glad Republican you community. I'm yeah. so glad you brought that up because I see this all the time. Now, Anthony um, Weiner is a Hispanic man, um, also Democrat, and 
we all remember, no matter how young or old you were, what happened um, during the um, President Clinton scandal with Monica Lewinsky, who, again, right. was an adult, a consenting adult of consenting age. Um, right. And what bothered me about the whole thing is, you know, this was this occurred in the 90s, and we had a slew of politicians that had been caught with um, with 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 the underage, and they didn't get right. nearly as much, um, you know, public backlash and media coverage as he did for um, sleeping with an adult intern. Right. Well, you got to remember that the issue with Clinton was, was part. Of the the major issue with Clinton is it it was the lie and not so much the uh, the cheating. He got impeached for perjury. Right. Yeah, but the, the whole. The, but I think the. I think the point that Reina um, is trying to make, and I agree with, is why was it even ever anyone's business? Um, why did he get impeached for having an affair? Um, that he, he's he married. Was, that his wife can deal with that. That had nothing to do with his, how he was running the nation. Because Lewinsky was an intern, and at in no other place of business is sleeping with interns going to be proper and, and tolerated. Most people probably wouldn't even keep their jobs after something like that came to light. Despite the fact that it happens all of the time. But I, I think exactly. what it, but the major I think the major problem with Clinton was is that you know, they were trying you know what I mean? They were trying at that time to get anything that exactly. they could get on Clinton. And he just I, so happened I really, to be this one thing. I mean it really was a, a witch hunt. You know what I mean? Because his his affair his affair with Lewinsky was uh, was immaterial to his his running the country. But he was, as um, Anthony brought up, um, you know, impeached for perjury. I mean, he did he did lie. You know, he did say he didn't have sex with that woman when, in fact, he had sexual relations. Whether or not you know you count um, you know whether or not some people oral. count you know oral sex. As uh, you know, a form of sexual congress is you know immaterial. The fact of the matter is that I, have a, I actually have a know? question. Was and um, and you have the article. Were all of the recipients of Anthony Weiner's uh, pictures? Were they all people who wanted them, or they? Because from what I read somewhere, that some of them were unsolicited. Like he sent them to okay. people that did not. I've read various articles, and it's very conflicting. The only thing I know for certain is that they were all um, consenting adults, and no one claimed that um, you know he harassed them, like he was repeatedly sending them pictures. Some articles say that they were unsolicited. Some say that they were all consensual. The only thing I know for certain is that he did not like um, he did not text stalk anyone, and he did not send anything to minors. Um, okay. And, you know, that's the only thing they agree on. And before we get into the next topic, I just want to ask um, everyone who's on the line now, do you think that he should continue in the mayoral race while the, all of this is going on? Absolutely. I, mean, I think that... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's a decision that is up to the voters. I mean, I think it's 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 a sad state in society when sexting is a potential career killer. And I mean, I think that, you know, if he drops out over this, I don't think the, like, I think the, the potential political candidate pool going forward is going to be pretty thin once, you know, a lot of these Gen Xers and millennials get of age. Cause I think, you know, more of us more, more than not have 
sent a picture of themselves at some point in time. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I know, like, in, in a lot of states, if a teen sends, you know, a, a sex pic, even to another teen, that can, in, and it's a picture of themselves, it can be seen as child pornography. And I understand yeah. I'm very serious about this because you don't know where the pictures are going to get end up. These kind of photos of, of, of teenagers end up on Instagram and Tumblr. I understand it. I completely understand it. But when you're talking about adults sending photos to other adults, um, in a non-harassment um, situation. Again, this is what I was saying before about people getting up and arms over the wrong things. There are there's a time and a place to be outraged, and I really think that a lot of people are just simply are either too informed to find the correct lot, things to be. Um, you're expecting a lot of a country <laughs> of a country like ours. You really are. I mean, you're you're a country <laughs> that is that is you know immersed in the Puritan ethic. You know what I mean? Not just this the work true. ethic, but in in sexual politics as well. And so to expect mm-hmm. that we're just going to, you know, uh, you know, get over it is just is just foolishness. Because we you don't know, you bring something to in this country. Been... We're not like we're not cosmopolitan like a lot of other places where you know we can accept uh, um, you know someone you know say divorcing someone in the middle of their campaign or. Um, you know what I mean? But we can in some contexts. I mean, look at John McCain, you know, or look at, um, um, or even worse than him, um, what's his face? Oh, Newt Gingrich. I mean, he makes my skin crawl just saying his name. But, um, <laughs> but, look, at, but look at Newt Gingrich, you know what I mean? Newt Gingrich has got to be the world's most horrible person. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think Newt Sarah Palin and church, Michelle Bachman are fighting him hard for that position. Um, I mean, we have, yeah, but I don't think they're even as bad as he is. Especially, I mean, so I mean, it, 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 he's the one. He's the one who left his wife while she was recovering, right? From like no, that, surgery that or was, something. I, that was that was um that was what's his face um oh he ended up not running. No, that was not McCain. Oh, not, oh. Was, you know the one um Edwards John Edwards. Oh yeah yeah John not, no no not John right. I'm not I'm not thinking about John Edwards. I'm thinking about. No, I, I know it's either McCain or or Newt Gingrich. I know it's one of the two. They both have sort of nasty. I, I think um, it was Newt Gingrich. You know, it was not, it was it was Newt Gingrich yeah. that did that because John yeah, McCain they, they both with, have, Yeah, they both have right. a nasty. Well, you know what? When it comes to women, you know. I'm sorry, guys. We have some callers on the line, and I have a lot. I should have a lot of callers on the line. Um, okay. For those of you guys who have not pressed one but you would like to uh, participate in the conversation, please press 1. That way I know that you want to participate. Otherwise, I just assume that you just want to listen, and that's okay, too. Um, First, it looks like we have Cynthia Marie. We're going to go ahead and open your line up. Did you want to jump in on that? Yeah, this is regarding the Wiener situation and whether or not we should um, hold him accountable as it relates to his sexual activity. If he were not running for public office and hopefully establishing policy around sexual abuse and other issues related to women, I don't think it would be an issue. I think we need to hold our politicians to a higher standard and... His behavior suggests that he has no regard for women or little regard for women, and particularly young women. I would not vote for him if he were running in my district. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Cynthia. Uh, also on thank the line you. we have Patrick. Um, Patrick, did you want to weigh in? 
Am I on? You're on. Do you want to weigh in? Do you want to weigh in? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, you know what? I'm not too familiar with the, the topic, but I do just listening. Um, I'll take you back to, like, the Clinton thing. I think this is nobody's business, you know what I mean? Um, if he did this in the privacy of his own time, then, you know, this is his business. If he didn't offend anybody and they were all consenting adults, then... You know, uh, I, I let it slide. Uh, like the lady, well, the lady who just previously spoke, I also agree with her, though. Like, you know, if I was a woman, I might feel somewhat offended. But, again, you know, these are all consensual adults. So, you know, what does that have to do with him running the country, you know? Like, um, you, mean the, you mean the city? Like I mean, New not York. the country. I'm sorry, running the city. <laughs> <laughs> the city of New York. Um the same thing with Clinton, you know, that was between him and Hillary, and I felt that I was probably all 14 or 13 back then, you know, and he did a damn good job, you know, uh, running the country at the time, you know, him sending, can you cuss on here? Yeah, I mean, well, you you're can. Okay. You're okay for okay, now. Okay, but him but, you know. <laughs> sending dick flicks, that's what they call them nowadays, <laughs> what does that have to do with, you know, how he's going to run uh, the city? You know, how uh, it might question his character, his, his character outside, but, you know, if he, if, if he has a good background, there's definitely, a, there's definitely a reason why he's a candidate. You know what I mean? So I, I, I wouldn't, I would not really just me myself. Okay, but again, you. I don't really know too much about the topic. I just really want to call in and say hello to Be The Star. I'm her biggest fan. And uh, <laughs> someone else wanted to say hello to her. Say hello, Vita. Hello, yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Oh. You got fans of all ages, Vita? <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. To, and, and, both, and both you and Cynthia are welcome to stay on the line to participate in the next topic. So, and what's the hey, next topic? I, I have a question. How long is your show going to be on? Oh, I'm on till 9 p.m. PST. Okay. Um, my, I'm going to give you a call back and listen some more, and then I'm going to have I'm going to have some uh, better conversation. So. Awesome. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> All right. Oh, it looks like we have another caller. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and get to you. Caller six five one. Did you want to jump in on this before we go to the next topic? You say six five one. Yes, that's you. You're on the Carrie, line. This is this is this is this is Carrie. What's up with you, Vita? Oh, hey, Carrie. How are you? Hi. How you doing? How you doing? Hey, I caught the last end of what y'all was saying, man. I heard the lady. That's when I when I kind of buzzed in. And she was saying holding uh holding your holding your people to a higher standard. I don't really think it should have anything to do with their personal life. If you're gonna hold them to a higher standard, make sure the standards you're holding them to is the thing that they're doing for the community and for the people. Whatever is in their personal life should not have. Any, you know, it should not hold any water, you know what I mean, because all of us got our little demons. If that was the case, then none of us are qualified to do anything, if we, if, if that's the case. But also understand that some women might be offended by the things that he's done. But it's just the way of the world today. You're thinking about it as, as an adult, and somebody agreed to it, there's no reason to be mad about it. Now, if he had forced his way onto the woman or something like that, then that's another, you know what I'm saying, that's another story. But it's just the way that things go. But I understand how people... Want they want their want their politicians to be moral morally correct, but y'all know that that's not the case. And, you know, you don't you don't get to be a politician and, and have morals at the same time. I don't think it's possible. 
I hear you. Thank you so much, Carrie. I hear you. Um, Thank I you. have another. You guys are really on this uh, Aunt Selena thing. Tonight. I'm getting... All right. I want to go ahead and go to caller. I want to go ahead and go to caller 804. After caller, after this caller, though, I'm gonna we got we got we have to change topics because we have a lot of hot topics to get through before we yes, get to the next do. segment. And I and I want to allow a full hour at least for our main topic. So, caller 804, what's your what did you want to say? First of all, what's your yes, name and where are you calling from? Yeah, this is Deborah calling from Richmond, Virginia. How y'all doing? Hi, Deborah. Hello. Good. How are you? Oh, fine. I didn't even know I came on today. I some I some told me just check. But you know, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to Kennedy. <laughs> you remember that? Okay. It, wasn't, who, it wasn't no Twitter when Kennedy was was on around. Yeah, uh, if, if there has well, been, I'm sorry. Been a lot I, I have to say this: there. whoever is in the background with a lot of noise, please be mindful of the fact that everything is being recorded, and if people probably don't want to hear you shuffling through your papers or squeaking your chair. Um, I'm sure whatever you're doing is really important, but we would appreciate it if you would mute your phone and then just return when you're ready. Okay? Um, I'm sorry, Deborah. Continue. Well, I was just saying. You know, Kennedy was, was, was I think it was Marilyn Monroe he was supposed to be messing with. And they didn't he was messing with him. a lot of women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She was just a famous one. He, I'm yeah. sure he had, I'm sure he had like everyday, um, you know, everyday casual mistresses as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Deborah. Um, em, you want to get to the next one? All right, our next hot topic. I'm so sorry, we're speeding. It seems like we're speeding through this. Our next hot topic is a little girl called um, Nada Al Al Dal, and she is an 11 year old Yemeni girl. And she, um, they call her the runaway bride. And again, like I said, she's 11 years old. So it kind of turns my stomach to say 11 year old and bride the same sentence in the same context. But um, she was to be married off. And she actually recorded a video. Was recorded in a video saying that she would rather kill herself than be married. That that her her parents are stealing her childhood. They are stealing her innocence. She does not want to be married. She's not ready to be married. And it's wrong that they're marrying her off. And you know, this takes a lot of guts to do this and oh. um, to to leave your parents. And to say, at 11 years old, I'm not going to do what you want me to. Now, a lot of us became remember when we were 11 years old, and we had a much harder time standing up to our parents over far less significant issues. And this is a country where child marriages happen quite often. And she was 11 years old and decided she would leave home, and if they try to take her back and make her marry this man, she will kill herself before she allows herself to become um, another another barter bride, basically, because, you know, her her parents are being compensated for giving their 11-year-old to a grown man to wed. And, you know, not that it makes any difference, but this girl's 11 years old. Anyone who's seen the video, um, I will link a video in the chat box for those who want to see it. Um, she's 11, but she looks 8. And honestly, even if she looked her age or older, if you know a child is 11 years old and you want to marry that child, I can't even begin to to describe my absolute and complete dis- disdain and disgust over the situation. And I'm so proud of her. I wish her the very best in getting away from these people as quickly as possible. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with that. Did you guys want to weigh in on that? I don't know if it, who, who has I mean, I don't really think there's the much to 
Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think there's really much to say. I mean, Emma said it all. I mean, how can you not respect, you know, a, a child who, you know, is willing to stand up for herself that way um, in a country mm-hmm. where this is common and, um, you know, where, you know, the laws, you know, allow for this, you know, and her parents, you know, to go stand against her parents and say, no, you're wrong, and I'm not going to let you do this to me and ruin my life. That's That's pretty... That's pretty brave. Well, I mean, I also want to add in that um, this will definitely, you know, m- much respect to her. I was her name Nada. What's her name again? Nada. Yes, her name is Nada. Nada. Much much respect to Nada. But also, um, part of the reason why she was able to recognize that this was wrong and why she felt empowered was because she was with her uncle, who was a bit of a progressive thinker, and. She had so basically, what she I think she, from what I understand from what, she, from what I was reading in an article, she was living with her uncle at one point. He was raising her, and then he allowed the her parents to take her back for a while to just be on a visit. And what they didn't know, I mean, what he didn't know was that they were trying to marry her off, and they had tried it, to, and they had tried to do it before, and he stopped that from happening. So this time, when they took her for a visit. They didn't tell him that they were going to uh, marry her off. So that's, I just wanted to kind of acknowledge that the reason why she was pretty aware is because of her uncle in fact that she, and the fact that she was pretty much safe from this before. So I just wanted to put that out there. But, yeah, I want to give her, you know, much respect to Nada and also to her uncle for, you know, coming in and making her sure he, you know, protected awesome. her from, yeah, protected her from even her own parents. And the fact that, which is part of the reason why she's so articulate and so powered. So I wanted to also give respect to her uncle. Not, I don't know his name, but I do want to give respect to that. M, do you have another topic for us? We do have another topic, and it's kind of leading into, um, eventually, after we get through all these, it will lead into our, our t- a hot topic for tonight. Um, this one is about, now, um, after the Trayvon Martin trial, even before a verdict was reached, we were seeing memes on Facebook about a news story um, news articles and links and memes about um, Georgia teens who had shot um, an infant during a botched child arrest, and people are saying, "Oh, this is exactly like um, the Zimmerman case, or it's or um, situations where um, you know black people commit violence against white people as well." And look at this, and it's so horrible. Well, what actually happened, and what's coming to light, is that those teens. Um, probably did not shoot that baby um, at all. Absolutely. No, I, I when when I first heard this story, I said, that's going to turn out to be like Andrea Yates. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people... Who's Andrea that, Yates? For those, that don't, for those that don't remember who that is, can you tell us who that is? Uh, I, I don't remember all the details of that case. I do remember that Andrea Yates was a young um, mother, and um, she had claimed that her car was stolen with her children inside and um and that, you know, um that something had happened to them or whatever. And um they found the children later had been drowned in the car. Well, Andrea mm-hmm. said that it was a black that a black man had actually stolen the vehicle with the children inside. Um but it turned out that she had actually killed them herself. Yeah. Um, and she's a white woman. Andrea, you know, that's important to point her out. Five so she was a white woman who blamed it on a black man. I just wanted to make sure people realize that yeah. this was. I, I thought that was an important thing to note. Uh, so you're uh, saying that this case 
with this uh, th- with this lady saying that these boys killed her baby, that mm-hmm. this is the same or yeah. similar to I'm the actually, Andrea Yates I'm story. Actually, I'm going to read large parts of the story because I think it is incredibly um, um, poignant to any race discussions and definitely tonight's discussion, and it really touches on what Raina just said about how easy it was for a lot of people to believe Andrea Yates at first because she blamed it on a black man. Now, four mm-hmm. months ago, I'm reading directly from the article on allvoices.com. Four months ago, the horrific shooting death of baby Antonio Santiago in Georgia and the subsequent arrest of two teen suspects made national news. Now there's news that the hands of both the mother and the father of the, mur- the murder baby have tested positive for gunpowder residue. According to CBS News, the parents tested positive the same day that that baby Santiago was allegedly murdered by the teens. Um, this did not come to light until the defense, um, the evidence was kept hidden until the defense lawyer for one of the suspects demanded that it be held over, it be handed over. The public was horrified when, according to the mom, Sherry West, two black teens fatally shot her 13-month-old baby in the face and shot her in the leg during a botched robbery. Now, I'm I'm out of the article right now. I'm speaking for myself. When I first saw this and I read that, my, my... Spidey senses were tingling at how the baby was shot in the face, but she was only shot in the leg. But she was the one, uh, you know, out of between her and the baby, she was the one that could have actually pursued um, the children. And they were going to kill anyone to stop them from pursuing them. It would have been the mom. But I'm one of those people that really likes to give parents the benefit of the doubt when it comes to murder of a child. I, I, I'm still living in this, with, with, you know, semi rose colored glasses where I want to believe it. People no. love children at least enough not to kill them. I mean, so well, gonna... see, this is a problem. I mean, I, I I understand that impulse, Em. I really do. And I mean, in a perfect world, you mean you would want you 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 really can't view parents as wanting to harm their children that way. Exactly. But it happens a lot, and it happens a lot in nature, and it happens for various reasons. And I think that part of the problem, and and and. It's sort of a twofold problem. So on the one hand, we have this idea in our culture that the da- that the strangers are the danger. You know what I mean? But more often than not, the danger is actually coming from people that we know. You know. And then the other problem is is that, of course, you know, this is a this is this 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 thing of white women particularly, but 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 whites in general, you know, sort of. Um, screaming um, the black man did it is it, something that has been mm-hmm. going on for a very long time, and it has to do with this association of blackness with criminality. It's, it's a exactly. very easy association to make, and it's an association that robs us of, of agency and it robs us of our, our civil rights and due process. And um, and it, in this case, it robbed these boys of several months of their lives. And what's unfortunate to me, um, what's the most unfortunate situation for me, um, other than, of course, the loss of this child, is the impact that it's had on these two young men's lives. You know, mm-hmm. because we don't know necessarily what the possibilities for their life could have been had they not encountered this particular situation. Not to say and that we they don't, don't know have what any they've hope been going for the future. Through. Right, we don't know, we don't know that, while incarcerated. Yeah, exactly, and, um, and that's, and that's my point. And that's my point well, because gonna, um, oh, I want to let I definitely want to let some other people weigh in. Uh, Anthony, did you want to weigh oh, in hold on? on. Um, I think, oh, you have you know, more you wanted to add. Yeah, I, I, there was actually more a bit more to the story that I wanted to put in before everyone puts in their final thoughts. Um, 
Um, West um, said that the, these two boys tried to rob her. Um, they shot the baby in the face. They shot her in the leg. Um, a few days later, um, 17-year-old Demarcus Elkins and his 15-year-old alleged accomplice, Dominique Lang, were arrested for the crime and charged with murder. Now, she's actually... She'd actually gone, Sherry West had actually gone on Pierce Morgan saying that she wanted these children dead. It wasn't enough that she wrongly accused them, but she wanted their lives. Her 21-year-old daughter, Ashley Glassy, says that she didn't want to wrongly accuse her mother, but even she, this woman's daughter, began having serious doubts about the version of the story that um, her mother told the police about the robbery murder. Um, This isn't even her Mm. first... Like Glassy, Ashley Glassy was taken away from her mom when she was eight, um, um, and her other child, a son, an 18-year-old, was stabbed to death in New Jersey back in 2008. Um, and people are claiming now that she probably shot this toddler um, to get life insurance money. And now I'm even thinking maybe mm-hmm. they should investigate the murder of her 18-year-old because who knows why he was violently stabbed really? and had a hand in it. If it gets even better Mm -hmm. than that, though, the mom and the aunt of one of the suspects were arrested for giving police um, a a false information when they claimed that DeMarcus Elkins couldn't have been involved in the shooting because he was with them the whole night. They actually arrested his mother and his aunt. And this is an article from abcnews.go.com. His family was arrested for giving false statements. I actually remember when the daughter came out. I remember when that came out. And I think that was around the time when people really started to get suspicious of the mother. And now that this gunpowder situation is the case is, is a part of the case, I think that is also very telling, you know? Um Anthony, did you want to go ahead and weigh in on this? Um, I mean it's 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 fairly typical. I mean it's a it's a wild story on its face, but I think that the fact that, that people are so willing to believe um, that, you know, the black guys did it despite, you know, all the evidence to the contrary or at least all of the evidence suggesting that there was some doubt, you know, definitely points to the fact that, you know, we are guilty first and then possibly innocent later. Exactly. And what what, what got to me was that it wasn't just enough to assume that these boys were guilty. Um, we were going to lock up anyone that says that they're innocent, even their own family, who's a, who is their alibi. And it really, it really got to me where I, you know, maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Maybe I'm paranoid because of, of current race relations um, that are coming to light, um, ugliness that's coming to light. But I'm thinking to myself, if their white neighbor or teacher had been an alibi, would this person have been arrested? Hmm. Hmm. Good question. I mean, the, the, it's like it, it's 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 a shame. I mean, especially with the mother and, and the and the other relative being um, locked up. You know what I mean? I mean, it just goes to show you. I mean, even and I mean, guess I guess we'll get more into this when we talk about Trayvon. I mean, part of the reason why they didn't investigate George Zimmerman as thoroughly as they should have, and why many um, think why the case was sort of, you know, um, why the case failed before it was even tried is because they the officers had assumed that Trayvon Martin didn't belong there and that Trayvon Martin had to be up to no good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Actually, it's this assumption... Sorry. I was going to say that um, it's this assumption 
that, you know, black bodies mean violence and black bodies mean criminality um, that even gets extended to children. And, you know, that our children are not given the, uh, you know, presumption of innocence, whereas other, mm-hmm. where children, is, where white children are, you know. Right. And I wanted to highlight something that was said in the I wanted to highlight something that was said in the chat room, um, to Marissa. Shout out to Marissa. Um, she said the travesty here is a law enforcement that is so ready to wrap the case they're willing to wrongly convict the innocent. And I know that's been the case for uh, multiple situations. I was watching a documentary about death row, and that was also a common thing that you saw. When it was a documentary I was watching about pardoning people who were on death row because there was enough evidence to fight to to see that they were not actually guilty. And um, that was one of the common things is that law enforcement was so ready to wrap the case, they just uh, presumed that these people were guilty. Um, exactly. We have yeah, another I call mean, on the line. I'm not Well, because somebody, I'm sorry. somebody was just, mentioning race. Just, Take the caller. Take the caller. <laughs> Thank you, Em. Uh, caller 863, can I have your name and where you're calling from, please? Yeah, my name is James. I'm calling from Lakeland. Hi, James. From where? I'm calling from Lakewood, Florida. Lakewood, Florida. Lakewood, okay, Florida. James. I'm from Lakeland, Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland, yeah. Oh, Lakeland. Yeah. Okay, Lakeland, yeah, I, I, Florida. I, I, Thank you. Yeah, I, I thought that's you, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Nice um, it. So, James, both, uh, I know uh, M wanted to make I, another point, I, I, and I then after she, after she makes that point, I'm going to come right back to you, okay? No problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, M, go um, ahead and make your point, and I'm going to go right to James. I mentioned when I was reading an article about how the mom and aunt of the teenager, um, um, Demarcus Elkins, were arrested, and the police said they gave false statements, and they used an alibi. And, you know, I, 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 I inferred that perhaps if their alibi had been a white person, that person would have been taken seriously. And then I went on to read the comments on that article, and it is really disheartening. Um, one of the top comments, animals breeding animals. Um, another one is that poor baby was shot and these animals concealed what um, the baby did. Gratuitous use of the N-word is further down the page. And it's one of these things where um, I feel like these situations, even if these words have been responsible, um, anytime people see black violence or they assume black violence, all of a sudden it's completely okay for um, white America to refer to to go back to referring to black people as animals. And it really um mm-hmm. it was really disheartening to see. Um so James, what was your input? What, what did you want to weigh in? We'd really like to hear. Um I was just basically um that article. I remember seeing that uh post all over Facebook and uh and in certain groups and stuff like that. But uh what really uh trips me out is that see how you did an in depth investigation and you like you know the whole full story. Now, people on Facebook or anything, like, they won't get that. The only thing they know is what they saw that post say, and in their head they're thinking, oh, two black kids shot an innocent black baby and all this other stuff like that. And they won't know the whole backstory and that it was all the mom and all this other stuff like that. So it's just going to keep, everybody's just going to keep thinking bad about black black guys, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, then if they were to find out, oh, if they even if they were to hear the story about the mom probably, kill the baby or anything like that, they probably still be thinking, oh, the black guy did it, because they don't want to think, oh, a, a white mother can do this to her own white baby. Mm-hmm. Or or not even just thinking, or not just thinking like, you know, oh, they still did it, but just thinking, oh, but we'll get them eventually. You know what exactly. I mean? Or they were, bound, exactly. they were bound to do something, 
You know what I mean? Okay. They're not guilty of that, but they probably did something else. I'm exactly. so glad you yeah, brought a- up the point of people in denial about parents being able to harm their children, especially um, white parents. Now, I can't tell you the amount of stories I read growing up about um, um, parents, particularly white parents, killing their children for life insurance money, killing their spouses for life insurance money, and people refuse to admit that 86% of violence against white people is committed by other white people. And it's still right. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but nobody, but oh. nobody has, but nobody has programs on it, and says, "Hey, white people, get it together." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. That's why like, I, stop I killing your so... babies, Casey Anthony. Cough, cough. <laughs> I, I, I have get a question. so mad every time they bring up black on black crime, you know, because yeah. I mean, really, when you think about it, when they want to talk about founding others, this this country was it was founded on killing. Yeah, founded on violence. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, they've been doing it all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Carrie wanted to jump in on this too. Carrie? Yeah. First of all, shout out to my man from Lakeland. I spent the summer down there back in my water years doing certain things. uh, If if, if it's real. (laughs) Yeah, Pope Probably on some Anthony Wiener stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back in back in my back in my back in my younger years, yeah, we 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 went to spend the summer in Lakeland, and you know, it, 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 it's a real nice place, but it's it's, it's crazy. But what I wanted to say yeah, is, being, yeah, being a, being a, being a dude that's from the south, and well, I'm originally from Michigan, which is already known as a racist state, and then moving down south afterwards, it's always easy to point and blame the black guy. See, because down there, they still have the mindset that we as black people, I right, won't ever get to it, won't ever get to the to the level they will. So yeah, like they say, we savages, or they think we savages. You know, you, I see so many situations down there where the white girl she cried wolf, but nobody ever, you know, when it when it really looked, she can put on an act, she can cry, she can whine, she can raise her voice to be tired. She might be. Uh, a, a, a white girl that hang in the hood the whole time she around and she talk like you know talk like the black folks talk but as soon as the trouble comes oh she can turn that switch on and she out of it you know what yeah. I'm saying that's what happened with Casey Anthony she turned mm-hmm. that switch on you know what I'm saying but that's black people we don't have that switch white privilege yeah right. and then you know Ultimately. as far as going and seeing uh, articles and everything if you try to inform a white person about white privilege they'll deny it but I always try to tell them you don't know what white privilege is because you're white Nobody's okay. telling you you're well, privileged. Because it's just it, that's just the way it is. So it's, and it's, it's normal. It so is. it doesn't seem like a privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so I mean, much, the, Carrie. Um, right. I'm sorry. Do you, you want to finish? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying the, the 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 whole southern the whole way that I'm I'm just glad everything is happening. It's, it's bad that it's happening, but it's letting us see that we really ain't love like we thought we were. And, no. Wow, I mean, that's some of us weren't even. Yeah, some of us weren't even under that delusion. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> yeah you're right. Well, we were waiting on the rest of y'all. Well, well, everyone on this show is pretty progressive, so I'm presuming that us thought that. But, yeah. but you have to keep in mind, a lot of people thought with Obama being president, that was a, a, a signifier Absolutely. of a post-racial society. Mm-hmm. So let's not forget Absolutely. that point. Um, I want us to get. We have. I want to really get into all of our topics. So, M, can we go to the next one? Okay, our next topic, now that you mentioned Obama, it was Obama's race speech. Um, people feel all kinds of ways about this. 
um, there were a lot of people saying, finally, he's addressing this issue, this, this <laughs> elephant in the room, like sigh of relief. And then there were some people, notably um, Bill O'Reilly, and he is um, he's one of the people that we need to talk about, um, oh. as well we as Pat Cannon, as well as Pat <laughs> Cannon, yes, and their reaction. We have to we have to flesh it all out. We can't keep it in the closet, Rena. Oh. We're going to talk about that. Bill O'Reilly's response and Pat Cannon's response. But first of all, I want to get the panel's um, you know thoughts on Obama's speech before I get into their their issues with it. So okay, Anthony, who heard it? Because I've been talking too much. I did. On the Obama speech? <laughs> yes, yeah, on the Obama yeah. speech. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, uh, prior to that point, he had been pretty safe when it came down to, to topics of race. I think, um, you know, while he didn't necessarily lay out a lot of, of policy solutions, he, he did a good job of laying out the narrative, and, and that sometimes in and of itself is, is pretty powerful to have you know, the most powerful person, not only in the country, but in the world, speak to um, the African-American experience like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyone else want to give okay. their thoughts and opinions? I'll, okay, I guess maybe I'll probably have the unpopular opinion, but I didn't like it. Um, I personally felt that it was very middle of the road and um, and sort of apologetic in some, in some respects. Um, oh, I personally that's... don't see... I personally didn't see the need necessarily for him to speak on it. He was there to speak about something else. I just wish he would have spoke on that and just left it at that. Um, he gave a, you know, in my opinion, you know, while a very sort of, um, uh, while it was sort of, you know, one of those, it, it sort of still had some of those elements of being middle of the road. I thought that his first speech that he gave, um, that very iconic speech that he gave on race, was a much better analysis you know, especially you know, for a politician of his stature, you know. Um, I found yeah. I found this one, I found that this one, while elements of it were heartfelt, um, that he was still, um, that he was still trying to walk that fine line. And in my opinion, um, you know, I understand where it comes from, but it's still bullshit. You know, I have to yeah. call bullshit. Like, especially when you're talking about things like black-on-black crime and all of these sorts of things, and then not dealing with, you know, the socioeconomics that mm. contribute to it, that come from a long history, not just of violence in this country, but of discriminatory policy that created the ghetto, that create unemployment, and, and don't create living wage jobs in these areas where black people tend to live. Mm-hmm. Well, now that Vita's giving her opinion, I guess I'll, I'll weigh in myself. I slightly agree with you, Vita. Um, that was Raina. That was Raina. Vita didn't give an opinion. Vita didn't give her opinion yet. Hey. Your, your voices sound equally melodic <laughs> and harmonious and beautiful. That was good, That was good. Good save, right? <laughs> now that Raina's giving her opinion, um, I, I I do agree with you that I do feel it was a bit middle of the road, um, but I don't agree that he should not have discussed it. I felt that, especially because he was there to discuss something else, if you're going to go, go all in. You can't just tread the water. Dive right in there because you're going to get a backlash, and he did, regardless. So why not speak of it in, 
you know, all the gore. This is not something you can tie up in with a pretty ribbon and make it look good. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good that racial tension seems to be higher now than they were for the past 20, 30 years now that a biracial man is in office. It almost feels, and again, this might be me being a conspiracy theorist, it almost feels that so many people are trying to punish black people in any way they can for the fact that Obama is in the White House. Oh yeah, right. I agree. I mean, say, I mean, I mean, speak on the fact that speak on the fact that these that these accusations of reverse racism are baseless. Speak on the fact that your presidency, you know, led to the generation of more hate groups. You know what I mean? Than there than there have been recorded in a very long time. You know what I mean? Speak on but, that. You know, I'm speak sorry. on the fact that, to... that now we're more I'm... hyper segregated than we were before Jim Crow. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Speak I'm sorry. On those I honestly things. feel like. I honestly feel like, like to be real, I think there's Raina, your, your expectation is a little high for Obama, for President Obama. I mean, just think about that I for know. a second. Like I don't he's think in so. a, she's like, I know. <laughs> she's like, I know. Um, I hear that, but it's it's uh, being president is already, you know, I'm, I mean, not to be, I'm not apologizing for anything like that, but I mean, being president is already hard. Being the first black president, I'm sure is hard, um, especially when you have, I mean, it was middle of the road. It was, and I, and I actually agree with that. And I do think there were certain points to highlight in what he said, but he is really, It's. A, I just feel like a lot of people have been through some, not maybe on this large of a scale, but there are people who feel like when they go to work, they have to play that middle of the road. You know what I mean? That's a very hard position to have to be in, and we have to be fair to that, in my opinion. Um, oh, wait, I'm not done. I'm not done. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'm not done. Um, there, are a couple of, there are a couple of things I also wanted to highlight that were in his speech. Some things I hated and some things I thought were uh, – pretty on point. Um, let's start with okay. the one that I thought was on point. He, he made this point in his speech. He said, a lack of economic opportunity among black men and the shame and frustration that came from not being able to provide for one's family contributed to the erosion of, of black families, a problem that welfare policies for many years have worsened, and the lack of basic services in so many urban black neighborhoods, parks for kids to play in, police walking the beat, regular garbage pickup, and building code enforcement all helped create a cycle of violence, blight, and neglect that continues that continue to haunt us. I, even and even that, I think, is a little middle of the road because I mean, you could he could have really gone in even on that point. But I was glad he at least acknowledged that and made that point. Um, he he tried to like pull, pull up my other quote that he said that I thought was um, actually I didn't like it. Oh, I kind of felt like he was throwing Reverend Wright under the bus. I didn't like that part. Because he said, I mean, this is one of his quotes. He said, I, he said, Reverend Rice's comments were not only wrong but divisive. divisive, divisive at a time when we need unity, racially charged at a time when we need to come together to solve a set of monumental problems. Two wars, a terrorist threat, a, falling, a failing economy, a chronic health care crisis, and potentially devastating climate change, problems that are neither black or white or Latino or Asian, but rather problems that confront us all. And I thought that was complete and utter BS. That bothered me a lot. Yeah, it is. It is is, is complete and utter BS. And that's what I'm saying, Vita. Like, this is my problem with this middle-of-the-road shit. While he's doing this (laughs) middle-of-the-road shit, the the Republicans, the Republicans, the Democrats, oh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry, my bad. Is that that the, oh, I was about to say, is that the wrap it up? <laughs> the wrap it up music. No, I don't know. I meant to put the bed Sorry. in, and I actually took, took the song. That was my fault. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. No, um, 
No, but what my, that's my problem. In an, in an age where uh, where the politics are are, are 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 more, I mean, at first they were just dog whistles. Now you're doing everything but saying the n word. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. they, I mean, it's just it's out there, especially with the with um, the the dialogue and the rhetoric around. Um, you know, uh, violent about about violent crime and black on black violence, and particularly with the stuff that's going on with um, Bill O'Reilly and stuff. But the immigration conversation, for the most part, when it comes to the right, is all race based. You know what yeah. I mean? So for us to be acting like, oh, we need to just come together. No, they don't want to come together with us. There is a large group of people in this country who is just afraid of brown people. Yep. They don't want to be surrounded by brown faces, and that's just the bottom line. I mean, you know I'm so I mean? glad you brought up the immigration and the color because has has anyone ever realized that that when we talk about I mean in the nineties when we talked about immigration, we talked we included black people in that. Like they talked they included Haitians and Jamaicans in that and Africans in that. Right. But now immigrants is synonymous with Latino. It's it, right. no one ever talks about European immigrants. Ever. Right. Ever, <laughs> they're not a they're not a problem. They're not leeching off our system. They're not killers. They're not murderers. You know, they, they don't even exist. Any European that comes to this country belongs here, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I want to get this is when I'm going to segue into Bill Riley and Pat Buchanan's um, comments on the matter. Um, that music is playing really, really loud. <laughs> yeah, somebody's playing elevator music. Oh. Whoever is playing the music, can you turn it down a little bit? Uh, yeah, Vita might be actually like screaming, calling. Okay, so, there we go. Yeah. Um, um, there is a, a an article in BlackBlueDog.com that is entitled "Why Bill O'Reilly Cheers the Death of Trayvon Martin." Um, he recently said, um, "The sad truth is that our president, that from the president on down, our leadership has no clue." No clue about how to solve problems in the black community, and many are frightened to even broach this issue. That's because the race hustlers and the grievance industry have intimidated the so-called conversation, turning any valid criticism of African American culture into charges of racial bias. Um, he says that Zimmerman profiled Trayvon not because of his skin color, but because of the clothes he was wearing. Um, he says it was wrong for Zimmerman to confront Martin based on his appearance, but the culture of me living does lead to criminal profiling because young black American men are so involved in crime. And again, remember what I alluded to before, um, where the fact of the matter is most people don't care about crime unless it affects them directly, and 76% of crime against white people is committed by other white people. Um, then well, he see, says and that... He says that he further attacked the African-American community by pointing to the disintegration of the African-American family and mentioned that 73% of all black babies are born out of wedlock, which, again, is not a constructive criticism because you're not getting to the heart of the matter as to why that is or why it's even relevant, Um, um, basically um, insinuating that um, unless your parents are married, then you're going to end up a criminal. Um, Pat Buchanan um, had been quoted as saying before, and um, he reiterated this claim recently, that, um, you know, um, black people in the United States, and sadly, he's not the only person who said this, I've even heard this from black Christians, that black people in the U.S. should be fortunate because, um, you know, when their ancestors were taken from Africa, not put in bondage and slavery, but just taken from Africa, um, they were exposed to this land of so many, so much privilege and the salvation of Jesus through Christianity. Um, 
I can't even tell you how irate that statement makes me, but you guys can weigh in on that. Yeah, I mean, I think Anthea Butler said a, said a lot when she wrote that piece on, you know, the white racist God. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really good piece if you guys would um, check it out. Um, there's actually been mm-hmm. some subtitles that were written on. Um, I can pull one up, actually. Um, but um, but there are actually some subsequent pieces that were written about her comments um, that were also very good and, um, yeah. you know, illustrate the problem. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when it comes to, like, uh, I can't believe we're talking about O'Reilly. Like, I really don't like talking uh, about that man. But, um, yeah, I got a lot to say about well, him let's myself. Just pretend, let's just pretend well, let, let's Anthony talk, then. Let's pretend he encapsulates the views of many white and and respond to that. Yeah, I'll let uh, Anthony respond to that because I know he's got something to say. What was the about a uh, about O'Reilly? Mm. Um, O'Reilly and Pat Buchanan, yes. Um, I mean they to quote uh, I think it was like Denny Green. They 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 were what we thought they were. Um, you know they they're gonna be themselves. I don't think that there's any common cause to be had with people who are determined to see the worst in you. So, I, I but this is, you know, this is my issue with it. I feel like a lot of these conversations are coming, are taking place, not just conversations, but these, all these various outlets, uh, not even just from white people, also from black people. Um, it's like they're coming out at this time, it's like, oh, how dare these black people start to feel... <clears throat> somewhat empowered, like they can, like, you know, because if these people starting to rise up, they're like, you know what, F this, I'm about, it's time to take some action. And I feel like this is just a way to kind of knock us down. It's like, oh, no, 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 calm down. You guys really ain't shit. That's really what I, that's, that's what I hear. You know, I don't know what you everybody know what? else. You know I semi-agree with you. I don't think the backlash is over the fact that we feel empowered. I think the backlash is over the fact that we're no longer complacent and we recognize that we are victimized and not no longer yeah. okay with it. Yeah. I think the oh, issue yeah. here that. is that we see, oh, we're victims now, and we're pissed off about it, and they're like, yeah, but it's always been this way. Why are you pissed at us now? Oh, yeah. oh the persecution, uh, the intolerance. Yeah, yeah if, if I could say something... Uh, uh-huh. This, this is what I this is this is this is this is what tripped me out about Bill O'Reilly, man. Bill O'Reilly or whatever his name is. He went to a he went to a diner in uh, Harlem. Okay, it's a black diner, black people in there, and this damn fool says he could not believe how calm and how happy the black people looked in there. There was yeah, no argument, I remember no, that no fighting. Everybody yeah. was like, who the hell? Where where the hell have you been at, Bill O'Reilly? Right. Like where you yeah, see people I mean, have food <laughs> fights and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean, think about it. I mean, to any place. Yeah, he probably hasn't been anywhere. Only... Think about that. Yeah. yeah his, uh, also. His... Oh, go ahead. Also, I heard somebody say something about the immigration. I had said that to somebody the other day, and they looked at me like I was crazy. I said, first off, everybody here came from an immigrant. Second off, yeah. how the hell are you going to... Well, when when did we... Some came from immigrants. Yeah, some of us did. Okay. <laughs> well, so, uh, so, so when the hell... Where, where, how the hell did it get to where immigrant automatically means Hispanic? So instead of them just saying we have a Hispanic reform and owning up to your racism... <laughs> You try to cover it. See, this is what I say. Own up to your racism. Own up to it. If you if you don't like ne- if you don't like Negroes, you don't like Hispanics, you don't like Asians. Own up to it. Don't be a pussy. Own up to your damn words. He said. He said. Call it Hispanic reform and own up to your racism. That is a quotable. I am because everyone knows. I love that. 
You know what? Those, everyone knows those Mexicans are up to no good, and every Hispanic is Mexican. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. I mean, there's no oh, other. Oh, just country. like the outrage Guatemala, over, Honduras, what's his name, Mark Anthony. Alien Gonzalez? No, oh, yeah. you know, he got, yeah. remember they got mad at Mark Anthony recently because mm-hmm. he sang God Bless America at the World Series. Which I thought was funny right. considering he's, they're like, who's this Mexican Puerto Rican. being goblin? <laughs> and the worst part about it is, right, wait, wait, he's Puerto Rican, and Puerto Rican is what? A U.S. territory. You know what right. I mean? Like, get the hell out of here. And how many of the players are Puerto Rican or Dominican? No, 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 you know what, you know what, I think, no, what? I'm, I'm right. sorry. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, a, I'm not trying to be an oncologist, but, like, Seriously, consider this. Most Americans can't name all 50 states. How do you expect them to understand a Puerto Rico territory? <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Emily right has a point. Emily has a point. However, oh, yes. the fact remains yeah. is that he is he is technically American. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, anybody who's here. And anybody who's here and participates is an American. I don't even understand yeah. why we have to have any kind of immigration, anything. I mean, everybody else got to come here pretty freely, or some of us got to come here pretty freely. Some of us got drove here. We didn't know where the hell we was going until we got here. You know, <laughs> but, uh, you know right, now, right now, today, everybody who's here and who is contributing should be considered a citizen. Just like I said, there's no one here except for Native Americans who could say the original people was here, and even them can't even say they're because right. nobody knows. I just got done talking about on my own show today is, is people telling you about Christopher Columbus and things of that nature and how that keeps the white privilege way above everybody else. And like she said, now that this Trayvon Martin thing happened and, and black people are starting to, 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 to speak out where and before they were kind of scared. That's what I had gotten from it. They were kind of scared to say anything I'm because, so glad. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they didn't, they didn't want that. They didn't want retaliation from white America. But now that this is happening, then now it's thrown in your face that, hey, man, you even though you might be here, you might make $300,000 a year, you still a nigga, and we'll kill you, and we'll let them get off with it. You know what I'm saying? So right. I'm so now, glad you brought up Christopher Columbus because the very fact that we celebrate that holiday in this country mm-hmm. speaks volumes about race relations. It's, it's, all, it's, it's kind of that slap in the face where, you know, this man, you know, killed and raped so many natives. And mm-hmm. um, we're, he's a he's a murderer, um, uh, he's a pillager, but we're going to have this holiday. And even better than that, we're going to teach your children to think of this man as some sort of hero. Yeah. But not only right. that, Evelyn, but not only that, we just lost in the dialogue about Christopher Columbus, is even if you don't count Christopher Columbus and his actions, right, there's a whole, there's a whole slew, a legacy that follows Columbus. You know what yeah. I mean? That comes with that rape, that murder, right? You know what I mean. So it's it's you have people have to keep that in mind, but they like to gloss over that. And it's just it's 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 all of this has to do with identity, you know Mm. what I mean? And how we and how we frame identity in this country. And I mean, I mean, especially and what's really interesting about um, about this conversation that we're having and and how we're about to get into the whole, you know. Uh, Trayvon thing a little bit, but um, and we talked about some other examples with the this woman in Florida. Um, you know, I, I'm actually reading a book called Looking for Leroy. I highly recommend it. Um, it it explores sort of um, the concepts of, around black masculinity. 
So I encourage you all to check it out. It's a very great book by Mark Antonino. Please Antonino. put the title in the chat box. Okay. Please put the title author in the chat box. Please put the title yeah, author of the book in the chat box. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm writing it now. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but, yeah, up, I, up, I, I highly up, recommend up. it, um, you know, but it's it's it sort of explores, but it, it sort of talks about, like, how um, the prevailing attitudes are, or the prevailing attitudes towards black men are of, um, are of you know, fear and, and concern and, and sort of surveillance, you know what I mean? Um and that's yeah. kind of where this this notion of, you know, oh, well, you know, he had every right to follow him. You know what I mean? Even right. though he was doing absolutely nothing. You know, what was he doing in that neighborhood? Why didn't he Why didn't he announce himself? You know what I mean? Like, he's obligated right. to announce himself in a space where he or the had other, every or right the other to point people made, or, or the other point people made is why didn't he call the police? Which, to me, it I found, how could you, why would you? think he would. I mean, it's obvious right. he's in a racist place. <laughs> Why would he trust the yeah. Hey, there's somebody following me. They're going to assume that he did do something. So I thought right. that's, that's, that's a really good point. Uh, we but have, even if they don't, um, I mean, we, we don't I definitely police. want to get to, I'm sorry, I definitely want to get to uh, our, at least one more hot our topic. topic. I want to talk about Zimmerman's heroic... No, that heroic, was our last hot uh, topic before we dive into the three stories mm-hmm. that are related to our, to our issue tonight. Yeah, um, I, I want to I, I I talk about Zimmerman's heroic efforts real quick. <laughs> no, no, before before you heroic. say anything else, I just want to make this one point to any Zimmerman sympathizers that are listening out there. Um, would you, if the situation were exactly the same, let's assume that Zimmerman is right and that Trayvon did confront him and attack him when he realized he was being followed, would you be so quick to defend him if yes. um, Trayvon had been a white teenage girl and Zimmerman had been a black man? I just want to put oh, that out there. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be defending Zimmerman at all. I don't defend Zimmerman. So no, no, I'm not putting that out there. I'm putting that out there. Sympathizers that might be listening. Um, I just want to. I just want to put this in people's minds. But Emmeline, this is what you forget, though. Zimmerman is a hero. He's a hero. He saved the community. Now he's saving people from cars. Go ahead and get into that one. Yeah. All right. Um. First. Um. Well, before I get into that, um, there was a the, the kind of sort of hot topic related is a story that came out recently that George Zimmerman was not a member of the recognized Neighborhood Watch organization. Um, it literally it came out that um, USA on Watch Neighborhood Watch revealed that Zimmerman was not a member of any recognized or um, any group recognized by the organization, and he violated the central tenets of Neighborhood Watch by following Trayvon. And I think it's very telling how that neighborhood did have a neighborhood watch, but none of the members came forward to deny his involvement in it. Uh-huh. Mm. Because mm-hmm. because I think wow. I think on a certain level, just like some of the just like two of the you know, the jurors or whatever who've been associated with this case, you know, I think they they and and Anthea Anthea Butler who wrote the piece on, you know, racist God, you know, um George Zimmerman said that this was God's will. And, yes. you know, these other jurors have somewhat, you know, made other statements that, you know, mirror that same sentiment. And so, you know, there's this idea that, you know, black bodies are criminal bodies, that black bodies are bad. And so what, um, you know, sort of the reason why, you know, you have outrage over Sandy Hook and not, you know, shootings in Chicago in the national on the national level is because, Somehow there's this idea in our minds that something that what happens to these black people in this neighborhood is somehow deserved. 
Mm. or somehow should be expected. But not over here them. with these, these white children. You know what I mean? And um, and, and it's all, these are all racist, very racist assumptions. And it has to do uh, in, in some ways with how we think about, you know, sort of the God that quote-unquote blesses America. Yeah. You know? And, and, white, and white people kill each other every day. And then they eat each other after they kill each other. But you don't hear us around oh. here getting pissed I off about that. I have heard quite a few of cannibal stories, yes. Yes, you know, um, they, they, you know they, they do things like that. And, what, you know, when I get into it with these people, man, this is what I tell them. I say there's no way that you can call black people racist because, you know what, everybody's rejects, guess where they end up at? They end up with us. And we welcome them with them open arms. If if the white girl, her family disowns her, guess who she turns around to get? She get a black boyfriend. Guess what? The family accepts her. Uh, same with anybody else. But as soon as we start talking about things that concerns us, it turns into race baiting. And I feel like black people are the least racist group in America because, like I said, we are accepting of all and any person who is downtrodden because we understand the position that they're in. Okay, we understand what it's like to be stepped on. We understand what it's like to be pushed around. We understand what it's like to be yanked back and forth. So now, I mean, when, when they go down, it always seems to be like in my in my old neighborhood, the white people that were there, they were they weren't never the ones that I would see on TV. It was always the downtrodden ones, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that even they own people look at them with disdain. They almost look at them in the same light as we are. Exactly. You know yeah, I, mean, I saw that. I, I, I grew up in South Florida, and I saw a lot of that, you know, um, poor white people being cheated like, you know, they, the term white trash was tossed around a lot, and it was almost always used by another white person. White person. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. Well, I, I was going to say that we have to be very careful about about viewing our, our community through rose-colored glasses because we have to keep in mind that there are many groups in our community that, well, various sectors of our community do not treat with that open arms, you know, sort of welcoming you know, embrace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so we have to we have to keep that in mind. But um, but yeah, I do I do um, I, I I think that part of this uh, notion about sort of reverse racism and that black people are somehow more racist than uh, other groups of people, and now they have this study that came out and they only had like a thousand participants, um, and they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily clarify what they meant by racism. But mm-hmm. um, you know, now there's like a majority. They're saying a majority of of white people in particular believe that blacks are more racist. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that, um, mm-hmm. that you know, our our rights, uh, you know, this this idea of who right. deserves rights and who deserves to be in certain spaces is, is, is changing for them because they're seeing their, the country uh, shifting demographically. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for that. M, can we, I'm sorry. I, we really are short on our time. So Yeah, we've got like M- 50 minutes, and I know this is going to be juicy. Okay, let's get um, two new stories. Um, George Zimmerman's heroics, and I use that term incredibly loosely, and the new juror who has come forward to express her guilt about the verdict. Now, first the heroics. George Zimmerman, um, earlier this week, he um, rescued a family whose car was in flames after a car accident. Now, again, no one was hurt, and the car was overturned. My first thought on hearing this was how he could rescue a family of four from an overturned car but claim that he couldn't get a 160-pound teenager off of him. Thank you. Thank you. You know what I thought about? You know what I thought about? You know the first... 
You know what the first word that popped into my head was when I heard that story? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist either, so... So, you thought you know, Olivia Pope. So that that's my thought. No, I didn't. No, I didn't think that. I thought. I thought Chaplin quit it. Chaplin quit it. Now, the interesting about this. What was you say? I'm, I'm going to get to more. Oh, wait, I thought wait, about Chaplin quitting. Yeah, I'm going to give you guys a little bit more about the story before you guys weigh in. Um, the first yeah. thing is that. Um, Social media of the family and their friends and family never mentioned the accident until many um, days later, which, of course, is, is you're, you're shaken up. That's to be expected. But then an update on the article says that, shows that Officer Patrick Redder's phone records shows that he tipped off Zimmerman during the accident, which, you know, I believe because it's very coincidental. <laughs> Otherwise, how a man could have been in hiding, Hmm. Um, and came out of hiding the very day that this accident happened, just in time to rescue the family. So, mm-hmm. for all, for as far as we know right now, the accident was real, but the rescue was very much staged. Um, mm. Right. There were other oh. people at the scene. There were other people at the scene before George Zimmerman, but somehow their names got stuck in the, the record one. of heroics. As far as the media wants to tell us, he's the only one that was there, and he was the only one who participated in the rescue of that family, and that's just not true. Um, and like right. I, like I said, he did have friends in the police department, and his stepfather is a judge. Um, and the, the officer's phone records show that he made a call to Zerman around some of the accidents, tipping him off, and that's how he um, serendipitously happened to leave his house just in time to rescue the family. Wow. I mean, this is like the McCoy time stage rescue. Uh, this is really, I'm, I, I just like this is the most poorly timed. Uh, come on, like, at least give, give it a, a few months. Like, really? Yeah, this happened less than a mile before he shot. So for all we know, the accident could have been staged, and I really don't want to believe that because this, this family had children. But, mm. um, was, yeah, the car was, was overturned. The family was overturned and the car mm-hmm. was on fire. So if he and the other people that 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 had been there could not have gotten it out and this whole stage accident thing went awry, it could have ended very badly. But for now, well, they knew better than badly. to make yeah. it a everyone black family. Is, yeah, everyone. Oh, well, you know what? It, 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 I'm pretty sure that he would have preferred it because then it would have looked like, oh, I'm not really racist. See how I feel I'm this not black really family? Racist. <laughs> no, what I was going to say, the reason why I thought about Chappaquiddick, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, I think the movie is called The Candidate, but um, Chappaquiddick was actually an incident where, like, uh, Ted, um, Ted Kennedy had actually driven his car off of the um, oh, yeah. off of, um, yeah. off of a bridge, yeah. and he, um, oh, the woman in yeah. the car actually ended up dying. But in The Candidate, there was a um, a guy who was looking to be the next vice presidential candidate, and so he basically set it up that this woman would drive her car off of the bridge, and he would just so he would just so happen to be there fishing, and um, hmm. and then rescue her. But he ended up she ended up dying, and um, and so the guy um, you know and and later you know the president found out um, you know that he had actually put a an ad in Soldier of Fortune magazine and uh, set the whole thing up. So that's why I kind of thought about Chappaquiddick uh, when I was thinking about George Zimmerman. But, um, but, like, for the reasons that M stated, like, how in the world were you pretending to be this fat, slovenly, you know, character 
that can't, you know, that didn't learn anything in, in MMA and couldn't get a 160-pound kid off of you, <laughs> but you can drag people from safety. Like, all of a sudden, you're dragging cars by your teeth. Like, get out of don't here. You're forget, not all of a sudden forget. a strong he man. Claimed, he claimed that after a year of MMA, and people who don't know MMA is mixed martial arts, he claimed that after a year of MMA training, he still didn't know how to throw a punch. Right. Yeah. Wow. Right. Right. That's why he got his ass whooped. That's why he ain't messing around got his ass whooped all the time. I don't understand um, why they why they didn't find out what was in his system. What whatever mm. it was. Because they had assumed that Trayvon that, that was guilt, was guilty. It, and and, it, and, and it, I mean look at it, how they look, they kept the weight off though. Mm. <laughs> look they at, kept the weight well, off. I, I definitely thank you so much for everyone who waited on the news topics. We I appreciate that very very much. Um, I we do got to take a quick break so we can little, regroup a little bit and get ready for the main topic, which we will be talking about these protests, these marches, these rallies, all these things people are doing. But will it be effective? Is it going to lead us to actual change, sustainable change, some action, a reactionary? We'll talk about all of that and more right after this break. Always around when the trouble comes I'm the atheist that gives a bad name to the other one You should be gone when my brothers come If you're here when they get back Then exit will be troublesome You'll be torched in battle 1,600 bars apiece and forced to travel You're just one in the horde of cattle And since she need a shepherd to protect you from a wolf As it feeds on the lesser Disorient your flock like M.P. Escher No, I won't throw the gold board away for simply checkers Just gesture We used to battle to see who was fresher Now we call each other hate over which Twitter was we're under pressure. The greatest tag team to rap a stable. Grab a table. Wreck it at a show. Or reject the label. Check your cable if you're searching for commercial shit. Why you can verse this view with purpose on the surface. So what you hear is not a test. Yeah, battle of two and these. So grab everybody from your hip hop crew and watch us flash all over the A lot of talk, reckless and never brevity Settling the petty beef through LED screens Makes me think these fiends don't know what enemy means See, when I was growing up, if you battled it with love Yeah, the bars were spit with malice, but then after that, it up You live to tell the tale and that's what's up Now these actors blasting buck on some gun shit Battle of the dumb, right, you can see the save you Shooting for some pay views Shocking with the lyrical skills, we came to taste you Blaze through your ordinary, extraordinary crew Recorded because you caught it with the dudes Reported to the news on some TMZ tip Stay neutral with your DMZ clicks Focus on your weak shit while we dig deep with Our eyes on the prize, knowing these MCs So what you hear is not a test It's a battle for two and these So grab everybody from your hip-hop crew And watch us clash all over the beat That shout you hear is not a drill These whack crews have to go So instead of some battle, we form the squad Doubled up, now we're ready to roll yeah. You'll find me with a music plan With a new Katie Cause he's super saiyan On defense, we're shutting down your favorite play Grancy gas, bringing the impact in a major way Barking on cats like we're major pain Don't need a stack of bills to toss away for fame Just to make it rain Keep your chain I'd rather create me a matrioska brain And as an MC, bring the yoga flame Right, you can verse if you already know the name That's why you're afraid to show your face at the poker game Frozen domes like when overcame Overcame the odds like a soldier Made our way through the golden flames Tell our tales to what 
All right, it's time for the next segment. Thank you to everyone that participated in the first half of the show. Um, I really wanted to leave more time for this section, but unfortunately, we had a lot of, not unfortunately, fortunately, we had a lot of uh, new topics to get through, and I appreciate everyone for weighing in. Um, the music you just heard was by Ryu Ken Versus. Uh, shout out to Grand Unified. And uh, yeah, so M, you had, we had something we want to talk about leading into uh, this discussion about the protest rallies and the marches. Um, M, you want to go ahead and talk, let's talk about this juror, this, this yes, new I- juror that has surfaced. Yeah, I mean, everyone saw the buzz over Juror B37, who um, 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 showed up on Anderson Cooper's show and, um, you know, with her face blacked out, and she was defending George Zimmerman, et cetera, et cetera. Now Juror B29 um, has come forth, and I'm going to read a little bit from an article on abcnews.go.com. She was the only minority. Remember, the juror was five white women and one Hispanic. Well, she's a black um, Hispanic woman. And she says that she feels Zimmerman got away with murder for killing Trayvon and that she feels she owes an apology to his parents. She says, and I quote, you can't put the man in jail even though in our hearts we felt he was guilty, but we had to grab our hearts and put it aside and look at the evidence. Um, I feel so conflicted about all this um, personally because I feel like on one hand she may feel genuine remorse because of information that was kept from the jury that she's now being exposed to. Or she is just trying to cash in on this um, by feigning sympathy. Um, and because at the end of the day, she really felt this way. It could have been a hung jury. She could have been the one to stand alone, stand her ground, irony, pun intended, and, um, you know, let this, let it go to retrial, um, get a new jury. And that new jury would have come in more informed because we know, now being in the jury, that we were exposed to a new information every single day about this and now she's coming forth saying that she feels so bad and she feels so guilty et cetera, et cetera. but for me it's kind of like you know crocodile tears at this point you know you feel bad you feel guilty and then she goes on to say this that really irritated me you know he may have escaped prison but he cannot escape god's judgment um yeah <laughs> wow um and she says, as much as we're trying to find this man guilty, they give you a booklet that basically tells you the truth, and the truth is that there was nothing that we could do about it. I feel that the verdict was already told. And, you know, and and, and this is a part of me that sympathizes with her because there were a lot of things happening in the proceedings of the trial, and I did follow the, the trial live um, for about a week before my blood pressure couldn't take it anymore. And, um, you know, the the... the the prosecution wasn't even allowed to use the terms racist and vigilante because they made Georgian men look bad. The defense was able to bring Trayvon Martin's report card into evidence as if that had anything whatsoever to do with it, as if Georgian men knew him and somehow this impacted it at all, even if he were the most, um, you know, um, the worst student and the most truant student in that school, it wouldn't matter. And, you know, um, we analyzed what was in his system, but Zimmerman, the aggressor and the person holding the gun and the person who fired that gun, was not under such scrutiny. And so many people said it, and it, it still holds true, it's still very true, that Trayvon was on trial for his own murder. And I really feel that it limited the amount of, especially since um, Zimmerman's stepfather is a, a judge in the district and he has friends in law enforcement, I really wonder, too, sometimes, 
just how much the jury had to go on. I want to let um I'm gonna let Anthony go first to weigh in. Did you want to weigh in on that, Anthony? Um, not too much on the on the jury situation. I think with the the new juror, the interesting thing is she was talking about how, you know, she was fighting to the end. I think you know clearly if somebody fights to the end, there would have just there would have been a mistrial. Mhm. Mm. You know, if you believe that strongly think... in your conviction. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't Raina, think writing to the end means just throwing your hands up and be like, okay, guilty, I'll just do what you guys said. <laughs> right. Raina, did you want to weigh in? Uh, no, I, I think I think that um, <laughs> you guys have said it all. <laughs> I think the interesting thing to add to that, though, is that this was, this was the juror that went from two extremes. This was the juror that originally thought, Second degree murder and jump past manslaughter all the way to not guilty. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I have another caller on the line, caller 202. Um, state your name and where you're from, please. Hey, what's going on? It's Brooks, MC. Hi. Oh, hey. What's going on? Hey, MC Brooks. On? Did you want to, did you want to, com- I think you might want to comment on the uh, jury, the juror that just came out, yes. right? Yes, I've been waiting to press one for a while, but I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to chime in on. But this this shit right here got this shit right here got under my got under my skin earlier today. I swear. Like <laughs> on one hand, like on one hand, I kind like I I I, want, I really wanted to have sympathy because I felt like her comments came from a genuine place. Like she may genuinely feel bad and, and, and feel that way. But on the other side, on the other on the other side of it, I'm like, you had your chance to really feel this way two weeks ago when you were still in deliberations. And if you were, if you really felt that strongly that that he was, um, you know, that he was guilty for second degree murder, then you should have stood your ground, unintended, like him said, and, and and you know we could have had a mistrial. I'm I, I really want to completely withhold judgment until the the full interview plays tomorrow on Good Morning America, so I can see maybe maybe if she goes more in depth as to what happened between second-degree murder and not guilty that made her kind of change her mind? That's, that's, that's well, what I, I want to know. What, so you know, maybe it's a cynic in me, maybe it's the writer in me, but, you know, I she got the chance to see the, the backlash against Juror B37 and how she got dropped like a hot potato from her agent and she had a book deal. And I really think this is her attempt to try to butter up the public and get her own book deal. Mm-hmm. I, uh, why? This is Mike. Why do you? Why do you I don't, think? I don't, that? I don't think so. Well, I wanted to ask him first because since she made the claim, why do you think that? What do you base um, on? Honestly, I, I honestly, I it's a situation where I feel that, um, like I said before, like like um, MC Brooks said before, that if she really felt this in her heart, and Anthony said this too. It could have gone to mistrial. If that's how you really feel, let a new jury come in with more information, uh, you know. But why whatever, do you think whatever, that she's trying to get a book deal? That's my question. Why do you think that she's I, trying to get a book deal? Because this is, what I'm, this is what bothers me about her guilt. You feel so bad that instead of going to the family, you go on national television to watch people to, so, the, so that the public will know who you are, be able to judge you because we didn't know who she was before. She was, the jurors are anonymous. Juror B37 is still anonymous. She didn't show her face on, on Anderson Cooper. But she wants to come on national television to profess her guilt in front of a huge news syndicate rather than 
go to the, and apologize to the parents herself. She knows that these well, statements I, won't, I, won't, 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 won't result in a mistrial. You're just trying to get attention for yourself. I, I want to. Um, we have a caller on the line, and I want to get this caller on. Uh, caller six one nine. Can you state your name and where you're from, please? Marissa. Hey, Hi, Marissa. Guys. Did you want to jump in on this? Hey. I do. I want to jump in uh, with my experience as a juror on an attempted murder trial, and you know, one of the things that I think most people aren't aware of because they haven't ex- experienced that is that the jury is given very, very specific guidelines and instructions with criteria that have to be met for certain levels of conviction. And the other side of it is that uh, there's two sides of it. In the courtroom, you know, you get a little bit of discretion based on the judge. The judge has room to throw weight around with the prosecution and the defense. But for the most part, the defense has much more leeway than the prosecution does. And mm-hmm. so it really, and we, we all know that, you know, the defense's only job really is to, you know, to plant a seed of doubt. But one of the mm-hmm. things that rarely comes up in the media is oftentimes the faulty job that the investigators do that results in lack of evidence that meets criteria to be able to issue a certain conviction within the jury. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very valid point, and I think for me, because I, I wanted to just kind of weigh in on this as myself, I actually have a lot more sympathy for her than the rest of you guys seem to, with the exception of maybe Marissa. But I have a little more sympathy for her. I'm not saying that she was right, and uh, I would have, I, I would have liked for her. To have you know uh, pushed for a hung jury and just you know didn't come to a not uh, not guilty verdict, but at the same time, but I don't think that necessarily means that her intentions were bad. I don't think her coming out publicly meant that her intentions were bad. Maybe she thought. I mean, and I, mind you, we're all just assuming. We don't really know what's going on in her mind. We're assuming her intentions. But you know, I'm gonna with my assumption, it's possible that maybe she really couldn't sleep at night. She felt like maybe if I come out. This will help, you know, and that's not to mean that um, that's necessarily right or wrong. I think that sometimes we all do things to make things right. I, I, I guarantee, in the same way we feel, how we feel when we've made a mistake or we feel judged. I'm not to say that this is definitely a, an extreme situation. I'm just saying that I have a little bit of sympathy for her. That has to be a hard position. She said she had what seven yeah. children, six or seven children. Yeah, she has um, eight. I think it's eight. I heard eight. Wow. Eight. Wow. Yeah, wow, yeah wow, she has wow. a lot of children. And I really do believe she feels that pain. And maybe she did feel like she. She said she felt like she had to follow the, the instructions that she was given. The fact of the matter is this: I don't blame the jurors. To be honest with you, the entire setup was set for him to be found not guilty. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't. Okay. I can't blame her solely. Blaming her solely on the jury mm. to me is a little unfair. That's not even. I mean, that's not to mean that there isn't uh, some responsibility or accountability on that. But I, I just feel like it's a little unfair to blame it solely on them when the whole the whole time you watched the trial, we saw that there was evidence allowed to be introduced that that was completely irrelevant, and that was a, a system that has completely effed up. I wouldn't say that's necessarily but, just. The but jury. I mean, I do. I'm well, sorry. You know I do what? have to blame the jurors for certain things. And I blame the jurors for this, like um, with with juror B thirty seven, for example. When juror B thirty seven came out and was talking about she's, she's like he was a long time, 
when well, mm-hmm. she wasn't a bit racist. She was racist. I mean, she. she was I calling, was trying to be she nice. Was calling, I was trying to be nice. Know, she was saying. <laughs> no, she was saying. Well, George said, and George said, like they're old friends. Yeah. Like, they're on the phone and shit. So, I mean, and that she was, was so making annoying. assumptions about, and she was making assumptions about Trayvon's character. You know what I mean? Right. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. These jurors are also. Let her finish her point. Let her finish her point. Go ahead. I was going to say, here's the thing. Anybody who saw Trayvon's family up there can tell this this boy does not come from the streets. Mm. He comes from people right. who have sense. You know what I mean? And regardless of the fact of whether or not he has sense, like Emily said, it doesn't matter if he was out there thugging. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything mm-hmm. wrong at the moment that he was found. So mm-hmm. he needs to be left the hell alone. Right. And, right. and and that's one of the problems, I think, that, that went over the jury's head. They're thinking that this man is just, you know, he's basically an extension of the state or an extension of the law. And you just mm-hmm. doing the right I thing. Don't know, I don't you know, know that that, like I said, and I, I understand the the emotion behind that because I feel that as well, and common sense would tell you that. But I think you know, from from my understanding of what went down in that case, is that what it really came down to was an act of defense. Because we have to remember that this that this. Okay, Marisha, we hear that. We heard that already. What I'm telling okay, you is what the jury said. So it wasn't it wasn't tried. But the jurors said the, the, the jurors said that, so that clearly fed into their perceptions of the case. You have to take in all of this information. Right. I don't want to cut you both off. I really don't. But um, one point I wanted to make, because as I said earlier, I had conflicting emotions about this. I feel a part of me feels like maybe she was exposing information and she said in her interview, and I quote I felt like this was a publicity stunt. The whole court service thing to me was publicity. And uh, somebody made a comment about how it was it was rigged in the defense's favor from the beginning. And like I said, his stepfather was a judge, is a, is a judge, and he has ties to the Sanford Police Department. Um, and somebody else, I think it was Marissa, mentioned how sometimes investigators are so quick to just rustle up as much evidence, quote-unquote, as possible that – they don't give the juries much to to work with, and that needs to be taken into account. But I'd, I'd like to finish. I, I agree, my and I, I I'm sorry, guys. I really I, I appreciate everyone for weighing in, and I have another caller on the line. I want to get Calvis on. Calvis, are you with us? Yes. Go ahead. Right, Tell I'm us a comment on this. All right, I'm gonna keep it real, real short. All right. I think that any conversation that we have about juries, not like. I don't know. I feel like it's more important than anything else. We have to really look at the entire situation for what it was. If George Zimmerman were a black man on trial murdering a little white kid, all of the evidence that that we couldn't prove, all of the evidence was so hard, would have been a mountain of evidence. The whole legal system itself is, is you know, the subject to such racial practice, all these racist practices, that no way to pinpoint or lay the blame on any prosecution or You can't. It's easy to blame these people, but in the real, on, you know, in, in the end, they all work in accordance, in accordance with the practices of a that has been functioning the same way the entire time. We know what it would have been if it was the other way around. So, you know, it's, it's no really blame jury or the prosecution, like they're just, you know, cogs in the wheel. That's all I Thank you for that, Calvis. And I actually want to um, – I appreciate you very much for saying that. Um, I want to really talk about, you know, so in response to all of this, you know, in, in response to um, 
the verdict even, we have seen a lot of things take place. People are talking about boycotting FCB Wonder and maybe a few other celebrities that have talked about boycotting Florida. I saw, I've seen on Facebook and I've heard people talk about no longer going to Disney World, canceling their summer vacations to, to Florida and not drinking orange juice. Uh, but I've, I mean, so some, and I've seen that and we've also seen people, you know, the, was it the Dream Defenders who are going into their, uh, to, to the Florida capital and demanding every day that they repeal that law. And they're going to, they said they're going to keep going until that law is repealed. Um, I, I'm curious to hear from you guys what do you feel is effective and what do you feel is not effective? And we can start off with these boycotts. Um, I want to know, do you guys think these boycotts are effective? Are they important? Should, should we be participating or should we just no, let it go? No, I, I, I don't think boycotts do anything. You know what I'm saying? I think okay. it's just, uh, 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 I mean, we done already seen the, the results of a boycott. I mean, when the last time you seen a boycott really move anything? Well, you know what I'm saying? It was actually an organized boycott, though. Well, yeah, that too. I think people think the same thing because it's not going to work. My thing that I told people, okay, because I said, I get tired of the damn, I get tired of damn the black people in this damn passiveness that we have, okay, when things happen. Okay, yeah, it's cool to get in the group. But, like, me, I'm walking with a stick. That's where my mind is at, okay? You keep turning the cheeks, you, get, you keep getting slapped, okay? And all this chanting and all this stuff. I said, when you get tired of the certain people that's in certain positions, physically remove the ads, scare the shit out of them. You know what I'm saying? To me, that's the only way that you're going to get any kind of respect from these people because you can keep on holding hands and singing songs, and they're going to keep on kicking your ass while you're holding hands and singing songs. Now, if you start kicking ass back, <laughs> then they're going to the, back off. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't even respect you. They don't even respect you enough to even, to even acknowledge you what you're doing. I always tell them kids in that office, and he told them to their face, I'm not doing nothing. He doesn't even care. He won't even come out and talk to him. He'll send his secretary out to talk to him. He, no, I don't he, care but what he got on. He, 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 he met with him to make himself look good. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and meet with him just so they can say that at least I listened to him. But I'm not going to do that. Why are these people in office? All of these people that are affecting our lives are in an office that is voted on. So the best form of activism, in my opinion, is education. I mean, when we're talking about, you know, the quality of a jury versus how to rebel against, you know, these circumstances, it has to start with better educating the people in our society so that they understand the importance of the laws that affect their lives. And more than that, the importance of the people that are putting these laws into effect so that when they go out to to wield the little bit of power that they have with a vote, but then make the right vote. And if that if that official doesn't stand by what they voted for, that they do not return to office. Yeah. Well, while y'all doing that, me and my militant brothers will be waiting outside to kick anybody ass who's gonna bother y'all. Because I'm just but really getting tired. Of, <laughs> wow. of, of, I'm just um, really getting tired of pushing wow. people. I'm getting tired of getting pushed around. Um, and I'm just ready to start I, pushing can back. I please, can I please? Say I just, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Can I please just say, say okay, all right. Number one, I see. I, I, I can't say anything about the brother about where he is because I certainly understand how he got there, but it ain't that I'm on some moral nonsense about how violence doesn't solve anything. I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on that, but it wouldn't be the smart move to make. It really mm-hmm. wouldn't be the smart move to make. This is what I think. 
black people have spending power in this country. We have more power in this country than we're willing to even face. We can sanction exactly. this country. It's, it's exactly. the NBA. Take the NBA, a multi-million dollar business. If every black player in the NBA, big names, small names, said, look, I'm not taking the court. I'm not taking the court. Who's going to send out there? If we as black people make the decision that we're not going to work, to give them our labor, you think those white folks won't go do that work? They're not going to they do that not. work. If every, if every black celebrity, I'm not doing, I'm not appearing on your movie set, I'm not doing any of that. If we said no to all of that, because the only thing this country understands is money, we could sanction this country if we wanted to. But mm-hmm. the problem is, just like what's going on now, the media is turning this thing into a stand your ground topic. That's the conversation now, stand your ground. But stand your ground isn't what got George Zimmerman off. That was just a self-defense trial. But that's what. Exactly. There's a couple of things that he said that I wanted to. There's a couple of things that you said that I wanted to um, point out, and I wanted to just highlight. You talked about the spending power, and I think that's very uh, a really good point. Um, And you talked about how uh, if we don't give them our money and our labor, that um, they'll listen. Uh, We're not going to say they'll listen, but you know that they'll that they'll definitely make a huge statement. But the other thing to that is. You're right. Money is what drives this country. That's what, that's what they pay attention to. But at the same time, that's what's held over our heads, right? So mm-hmm. you want to uh, say, hey, I'm not going to go to work. There's still that fear of, I'm gonna, what if I'm alone and I lose my job? And then Absolutely. I can't feed my kids. I can't pay my rent. What I'm saying is that, that's, that's, that's that same money, that same, excuse me, I'm sorry, that same money factor is the same reason why people, I think, fear uh, boycotting even their let me, own job. Let me respond to that. Let me respond to that. Okay. See, it will call on us to do something that we have consistently shown that we have a problem doing, and that's taking care of each other. Like, this country cannot function without us doing what we do. So it wouldn't even be a matter of them even being able to resume their daily business. If we all say, look, we're not doing this anymore, not until this law is repealed, because, yeah, that's part of what we want, but until we see some real change, from top to bottom, do we see some real change? Do we see the law apply to us like it applies to them? So we took, you know, they use the law to guarantee justice for white people, and then they turn around and use that same law to deny it to us. That's exactly how, how it we works. organize. All how do we sudden, organize something like that nationwide? Because I mean, a lot well, of the most successful boycotts and the most most successful movements were very, very local and very specific. You sit in at a lunch counter. Absolutely. You boycott the Montgomery bus line. I mean, they're very, very specific. How do we do that nationally? Um, can I weigh in just really, really quickly? Um, I stand your ground for, for for people who don't know. It isn't it isn't nationwide. It's only in in certain states. But as um, one of our callers just said. Judge Zimmerman did not get off on standard ground. He got off on self-defense, and it was a racial issue. And, you know, um, another one of our callers mentioned, hold on, let me just finish. Another one of our callers just mentioned how um, boycotts don't work anymore. And, um, you know, Vita made a good point about it being money because you there is no guarantee that when you decide you're going to boycott your job that there won't be someone who's been waiting for a job to take your place, especially in this time of current unemployment economic right. distress. Right. But another factor no, another black person. Another mm-hmm. another factor that people are forgetting is are the are the, the side effects of integration. We no mm. longer live in communities where black people of 
varying um, economic levels lived side by side, construction workers and factory workers and doctors and lawyers. Now people live wherever their money can take them. And you don't have to live completely surrounded by black faces anymore. You don't have to live surrounded by people who look like you, reminders of what happens to people like you. Um, you know, you're, you're in your own little bubble. There's your family, and then there's your neighborhood, which for a lot of people is comprised of many different ethnic groups. And we have a lot of black people that live in predominantly white neighborhoods. Um, and, you know, so it's, a, it's something where that feeling of solidarity is gone. And, you, and you throw in the desperation for a job, a desperation to pay your bills and put food on the table, and it's incredibly hard to get people to mm-hmm. to make that sacrifice to come together to boycott. How can well, also, also this is, I think, and and I think I, the Hispanic community also did a a few years back Day Without a Mexican Day where they stayed home from work. And I don't know that that was necessarily very effective beyond the two or three days of media that it got. But also, how realistic is it for all black people to fall back and not participate in society economically? Are we able to take care of ourselves? Can we farm our own food to feed ourselves? Actually, in some sense, it's illegal to grow your own food. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) It is. It's it illegal to have a lawn or, or that has no functional purpose. Exactly. And it's illegal to have a lawn that has no functional purpose, but it's illegal to have your own garden. As 10% mm. of the population in this nation, how big of a smackdown are we going to throw in there? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, honestly, um, I, I will uh, say, I do want to say this. I, I, I mean, and I, and I think there are some other community organizers that are on the line. I mean, if you've ever done um, community organizing, one of the things you'll you, you'll find is the bigger your campaign, like the bigger, uh, the broader you're trying to be in your work, the harder it is to win. The, the more specific uh-huh. you get, the more likely you have to uh, being effective. And that's one of the things that I'm concerned about is when we're talking about boycotting an entire state, how realistic is that? When you're talking about... Um, what can we do? To me, it, 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 I think this is great that people are fired up, people are charged up, people are ready to march, they're rallying, they're in the streets. I appreciate that. I participated in some of the town hall meetings myself, and I appreciate that. But my question is, how can we be effective and not be just reactionary? How can we be proactive? Uh, what is it that we're going to do in our local communities to well, fight these types of things? How are we going to fight well, the criminal well, The fact that is, one, the criminal justice system itself is completely racist. and I mean, it's a, it's a racist system. You're talking about, uh, it, it, this isn't just in Florida. We should be addressing this in our own states, in our own communities, in our own cities, mm-hmm. ourselves. And, you know, and this is my opinion, you know, in, in, in our own area, to, to address criminal justice in our own communities, cities, states. There uh, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. I get that we're all fired up and we want to, you know, boycott an entire state. I just don't think that's a realistic goal. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if we want to be effective, well, it seems like it would be better, in my opinion, to be um, local and to base. And by local, I mean your city, your county, your well, state. What's well, going actually, on in those laws? I think you. The economy of Sanford, Florida, is actually suffering since this verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was I was just going to well, say that Stanford, I mean, yeah, but that's but that's not an entire state. I'm talking about Trump, I'm talking about boycotting orange juice. I'm, uh, yeah, you may it's easy to boycott a city. I'm talking about an entire state. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say that I mean I think that it's I, I think it kind of takes a multi prong approach. Um, on the one hand, I mean 
you know, obviously, you know, in order to boycott the entire state of Florida, there were you would have to make so many changes to your to your lifestyle that for most people it would just be unrealistic. But one can decide instead of taking one's vacation in Florida to take it somewhere else like California. Right. You know what I mean? That that is a realistic, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, thing that you can do. But there's other things that you can do. You can, you know, you can get involved in your local government. You can you can ask your you know your senator or, or your state senator or, or your local representative your you know your city representative or your county representative to maybe uh, introduce a referendum uh, not a referendum but a, a resolution you know making a stance on you know something like um, on on racial profiling. You know I'm, what sorry. I mean? you I'm could, sorry. I'm going to cut you off for a second because. Someone is either sleeping on their phone or they have sinus problems. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is, but if, if you're a heavy breather, and I don't want to disrespect you, if that's, and that's a medical concern, um, you know, just put your phone on mute. Well, we totally understand if, if you're having some nasal problems. I have Okay, go ahead. Oh God! I mean, you, know, you could you could get a resolution passed, you know, about racial profiling or or whatever other issue you know is of interest to you. I mean, I think demonst- I think demonstrating. I think definitely, you know, doing um, you know, doing like um, like some of the women um, and protesters did at the at the um, at the Texas uh, you know uh, legislature, you know. You know, actually standing in the room. Actually, I'm sorry. I'm gonna need Kim and um the MC Brooks to stop to stop commenting in the chat box right now. <laughs> Please stop. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. I was wondering what that was about. I, I apologize. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I apologize. Okay. I was like, I was like, the fuck is Emily going going through right now? But um. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that we can do. You know, we can. You know, some of us are some of us are going to have to uh, decide to be a little bit uncomfortable ourselves and possibly run. You know, for some of these, seats, right? You know, for, yeah. to be aldermen, yeah. to be, right? You know, what have yeah. you. So some of us are going to have to, you know, step up in that um, respect. And, that, and that's um, but, you what know, I There's understand. also social. I was going to say there's also social media activism. You know, we saw that. You mm-hmm. know, it took one person on Twitter to shut down. You know, Jared B37's book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, people people blog, people, you know, people do podcasts, you know, Black Free Thinkers. Um, <laughs> you know, people, you know what I mean? People, you know, there's, so there's, there's lots forms of activism. There's so all different kinds of activism. You know what I mean? No, there's no one right. way to do activism. I, it sounds like someone you know? else wanted to jump in. Who was that? I want. It was a male voice. That was, that was, that was me. That was, that that was, was me. Me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, well, I... uh, all, I, all I want to say is this. I don't think that any change that's going to come about is going to come about through pushing legislation. I've given up on the legislation as a solution idea a long time ago. That hasn't worked at all. Legislation is only pushed when it's uh, convenient for them, for the system, when they care about their outlook. Like a lot of mm-hmm. the legislation that worked in the past had nothing to do with morality, it had nothing to do with any sense of doing what's right. It had everything to do with, you know, what was expedient for them at the time, whether it was Lincoln freeing the slaves, whether it was the civil rights movement. It had nothing to do with we're going to help them or we're going to deal with the fact that we don't understand that they're humans like we are. They don't have, yeah. I don't believe but I don't think pushing legislation is an attempt to appeal to their morality. I mean, the fact that it's legislation is what is – legislation is what – 
is what causes a lot of these problems that we have. That's uh, the stand your ground law is legislation. The mm-hmm. th- uh, here in California, three strikes. That's legislation. And if we're not participating right. in those things, such as and I'm not one of people who like, oh, everybody go vote. But I do believe that local voting is really, really important. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they can, can legislate discrimination, we can, we can certainly legislate fairness. Okay, stand your ground. Let's be honest about it. Stand your ground is not a bad law. It's being misused, but it's not a bad law. And it's not going to, repealing that law is not going to stop the guy who wants to murder a black kid just because he wants to do that. It's not going to stop the system from being violent. But I'm not talking about just saying saying your ground. That was just an example. What I'm saying is a lot of things do happen through legislation. I gave three strikes law in California but, as an but, example where you can go to jail just, for, or your, for your if your third offense isn't even a felony you can go to prison for life that is hey, here this uh, is that's see, what you're, what you're saying if I, I just want to weigh what? in really quickly here's my thought on it though on one hand I want to believe that we can influence legislation but on the other hand I'm reminded that um, um, blacks or African Americans only make up 12.6 percent of this nation so again how much how much how much wailing and crying out can you do that mm-hmm. really affects I change? That. I think I think yeah. what, what I mean, Raina said about a multi-pronged attack that 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 does you know inf- that does target social media and that does target the economy and that does target the black spending power have uh, would have a, 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 a much um, quicker resolution and more um, more hard-hitting effect. Uh, yeah, let's not put all of our eggs I, in I, one I, basket. I mean, well, I'm not saying there's only one way. Well, no, no, I'm not saying I don't think there's only one way. I think that, and when I talk about legislation, I'm not even saying that that's the problem solver. That's, and also, keep in mind, you're right. Black people don't make up the majority of the population. Hell, in California, we certainly don't make up the majority of the population. But that's where organizing comes in. That's where community organizing comes in. That's where, you know, these organizations who do these pushes for, you know, hey, making people aware of these laws that are illegal, I mean, not illegal, but sorry, of these laws that are unjust. And I'm also speaking locally. I'm not necessarily even talking about, you know, we should push, I'm not saying that we can be as effective in federal legislation as we would like, but I think that we can mobilize. You know, can we do it alone as black people? No, we cannot. I do agree that we, we can, and we can ally with other communities that are also suffering. Look at the Latino community. Yeah. They're also yeah, I'm just gonna say that. laws. And that's why, has, exactly why haven't we got with them yet? Why haven't we gotten with our Hispanic brothers? And, and why haven't we gotten with our Hispanic brothers? It's a great majority of them. You know, it's a lot of us. Why haven't we connected as one? You know, because we are brown people and we are suffering the same thing. But for some you know, reason, I, it's, still a, it's still a division between us. And if we got I, together, we got a big enough voice. I wanted to I wanted to question, and I always question when things like this go down. How come nobody ever reaches out to the Native American community or the Asian community, aka my side right. minority, who always <clears throat> right. this kind of I agree. and never really speaks out on it? Maybe they're looking for a voice because they're a smaller minority than African Americans are Asians, mm-hmm. right. and Native exactly. Americans are the forgotten minority. Nobody's even thinking Absolutely. about them. Absolutely, and that's what I was talking about. Allies. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. The reason why the reason why we can't reach out to each other is because the language between people of color has been abused yeah. and just bastardized by white supremacy. That's why when you right. see something that happens like right here right here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, an Asian kid gets well, he didn't get killed here and uh, he was from here. But he got killed in Afghanistan by a bunch of his white, you know, 
Caucasian, mm-hmm. you know, brothers or whatever they are. And uh, mm-hmm. we wrote, the media wrote it up as an Asian American community issue, and that's how we accepted it. They write it up like mm-hmm. that. Like, this is the Asian, mm-hmm. the Asian American community right. outrage, the black American community. I they agree. separate us. We just fall for the right. language. It all points mm-hmm. to the same perpetrator. It's not us doing it. And let me say one more thing about the legislation thing. We have to come to a point where we understand that practice trumps legislation in this country. If there was something wrong with legislation, white people would be would be crying foul about how their white boys being shot down in the street too. But mysteriously, stand your ground hasn't claimed a single white life. Now let's be honest about it. Like practice is what brings this country. The practice the practices in place are racist. That they're they're geared against us. They're designed to keep us, you know, away from being you know justice and everything else. So it's not to me. As long as we're petitioning the system through legislation, we still are not dealing with the bigger picture. We can change laws all day long, but until we deal with the practices in place in this country, which trump those laws, which is why every single piece of evidence against Zimmerman had to be microanalyzed and questioned, and now you can't mention race, and all of that wouldn't have happened had it been the other way around. As long as we can say that, we need to deal with that, you know? And, you know, it's like I was saying before, I know that people hate labels and they hate boxes, but this is the way, and I'm speaking as a person who's an immigrant. Um, I was born in Haiti. I came here when I was six years old, and this is the way that I quickly learned to see different groups in the United States. The white people are in charge. Then you have um, Native Americans, the forgotten minority, Asians, the silent minority, um, Hispanics, the illegal minority because let's be honest you could have been you could be fifth generation Mexican American and the white person will think you're you're illegal and then you have blacks who are the angry minority the ones that they just can't get to shut up and we think that they're they're targeting us more because they hate us more but the reality is we're the ones that make up the biggest fuss so we're the ones that are targeted more because we won't take it we won't take it lying down so to speak and every other race has already um, been, been tromped upon I'm sorry, everybody. I, we I are just, just pretty much running out of time. Hold on. I have to listen, please. I have. Can you, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to need everyone to listen because I have to get ready to wrap the show. But I know I have other callers who want to call in and weigh in on the topic, and you can. If you want to continue this discussion, please call in because we are going to. We can go for a little bit longer. Um, but you have to call in to hear it. You will not be able to hear it live, but you can hear it in the archives later on if you do not want to call in. So the call-in number is 310-982-4273. Please call in if you would like to continue to hear this conversation. Um, you don't have to... Um, you, do, you don't have to press 1 if you don't want to participate. But if you want to participate, press 1. So I thank everyone again for listening to the show or for calling in. And I wanted to thank our guests, uh, Raina Rhodes and Anthony Springer, Jr., our panelists. Thank you so much for participating. And a special thanks to Kim for this opportunity. also want to give a special thanks to Emmeline. Uh Today you heard music by Ryu Ken Versus, Elusive the Exclusive, JB, and Urban Miracle. Special shout-out to them. Special shout-out to Black Free, I'm sorry, for Black Skeptics LA, and also a special shout out to my crew, Grand Unified Theory. I'm your host, Vita Star. Add me on Facebook under the name Vita Star. I'm also on Twitter, also under the name Vita Star. And don't forget to check out our other shows. Our next show coming up is tomorrow night, Alfred and Carl. They will be discussing hegemonic privilege. And if you want to know what that is and you don't know, Google it. If you don't want to Google it, 
listen tomorrow. Also, check out our other shows on www.blogtalkradio.com slash blackfreethinkers. And thank you, everyone, for uh, listening. And again, if you want to participate or you want to listen, but you don't want to participate, you have to call in, okay? I really want to get everyone's opinions on this topic. And, um, M, did you want to say anything before we go transition to overtime? Um, it's been a lively discussion. I really wish you could have gone for like another hour, maybe two hours, because we might probably have we to can. get on this. Just discussing um boycott, you know, current events and boycotting again. Um, um, please be sure to listen to um my show, the Evan Evil Show, with my awesome co-host Mario Dorsey. Our show will be on um Friday next week, um at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we will be discussing lesser known religions. Um, so please be sure to tune into that and um, add um, Vita, of course, and Vita Star and um, Black Free Thinkers on Facebook and subscribe um, to um, Black Free Thinkers Radio. And we really, really love having all, all the callers tonight. Everyone's info was so, so Thank great. You. So if you want to participate, you have to call in. Thank you. Um, we, have, we have a few people who are calling in to listen. So thank you so much, everyone. We are now in officially in our overtime. Um, for those of you guys who would like to continue to participate, I believe Deborah wanted to say something. Was that you, Deborah? Oh yeah, I was. You know, I was just saying that we still, you know, could boycott. Uh, we need to boycott the where the money is. You know, the stores that are are, are, are paying into these other groups, and and, and you know grocery stores and not going to certain things. We don't have to spend our money. That's mm. the big thing. Not you know, the money when they start losing that money, that's when they get pissed. Mm. That's what mm. hurts them. And that was the same point that Calvis was making earlier, um, that if we don't give them our money, then that's what they'll listen to. Oh, I'm sorry, we have another call. Somebody's calling in from Skype, I believe. Caller one 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 one. Oh, it's one one one. All right, this is Joe Neckbone. How are you doing? Hi, Joe Neckbone. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a blog talk host also. So let me let me just share something with you. This is something you got to keep in mind. All right, if you're gonna boycott, now is not a good time. And the reason I'm gonna tell you why, corporations are sitting on record profits, record profits. They got money to draw down on, and their money's gonna be a lot longer than your money. So if you're gonna boycott. <laughs> You gotta you gotta keep in mind that they can last, they can outlast you. Now local businesses will hurt, but in the long term, corporate America won't feel it because they are in reserves. They're not operating at, operating at a deficit. My suggestion, if you want to boycott, do a reverse boycott. Buy stock in the company and say something at, at shareholder meetings. Don't just boycott. Buy stock. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're mm -hmm. saying buy stock, so give them more money, invest no. in these companies, and then right. sit at the shareholder. But who, first of all, not everybody has enough money to do that. Hmm. Right. I don't who, know I about mean, who that. even knows how to, who even understands? I mean, let's just be honest here. Are there enough people, enough of our people, and that's not not say that black people aren't capable of doing this. I'm saying are there enough people in general, but also narrowing that down to our people, is there are there enough of us who understand that system to participate in that? Who have enough money to buy stock in these major corporations? Because yes. they're not cheap. Are, 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 no, are there enough of us who are willing to do that and who are able to do that? And 
is that really helpful when the problem is a little bit beyond just corporations? We're talking also about the criminal mm -hmm. justice system itself. Well, but they're two different entities. The criminal justice systems is, is if you want to change laws, you got to go a whole different method than boycotting. You got to get out there and you got to vote. Period, plain and simple. Because ultimately, ultimately, and this is something you have to look at. If you look at a map, let's say Florida. All right, Florida has a a few major cities and a whole lot of rural areas, and the rural areas are what make the laws that the cities have to operate under. So if you're going to get out there and change laws you got to put in some serious groundwork, number one. Number two, it is easy to buy stock in corporations. It is not expensive. And if you're not doing it now, you should be, because if somebody is in your community selling things, you should at least fig figure out how to get in the chain to get something back from it. If you don't own stock in the power company you're paying monthly to, then you just throw money out the window. You know, you bring up an interesting point. I think another reason that a lot of people um, – a lot of um, recent boycotts are not working or people think that boycotts don't work is because, let's say, during the Civil Rights Movement, for example, we had many people who um, were boycotting on the local level, but these people didn't have the advantages that we have today. Most people don't buy locally, and it's not right. because they don't want to, but because it never even enters their minds. Um, um, the food is being transported faster. You can buy things online. You can buy things from other countries. We are addicted to the convenience. So if you're not buying locally to begin with, how are you going to boycott locally? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got to understand how this works. You know, the logistics of it all are amazing. You know, I used to work for FedEx, and one of the biggest problems FedEx has is when they, they, they deal a lot in China. FedEx made a very huge penetration into China. And I had a top executive tell me, we send empty planes over there and they come back full. Okay? So how are you going to boycott that? Mm. Um, Mario on the line, and he would like to uh, participate in the discussion. Mario, go ahead. I think that there are too many splintered forces. There are too many ideas. A lot of them don't seem to be very well thought out to me. Like this that, uh, the one campaign I saw going around boycott America by not buying anything on the 23rd, only the 23rd, not the 22nd oh, the or the 21st. Just, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just seemed like, just yeah, yeah. let's do something. And it's like, have you even thought about this? I mean, you're going to need gas sometimes, so they're still going to get the money. You're going to need food mm -hmm. sometimes, so they're still going to get the money. You're going to need essentials sometimes, so they're still going to get the money. Did you even think about this before you planned this out? Or was it even planned as just a short-term response to, you know, something you're upset about? You can't, I mean, in order for a boycott to work, it has to be, a, not only does it have to be focused, it has to be sustained. Like the Montgomery bus boycott, it was focused, it was sustained, and it lasted a good long time. It wasn't an instantaneous thing. How many people you know of right now have already started eating back in Chick-fil-A? You know, so, yeah. it, you know, hmm. I don't see any boycott that has come across on Facebook that is worth my time to participate in. I mean, I mean, boycott Florida tourism. Well, you know, not everybody from. I mean, Florida. I've been to um, Universal Studios, and the most more of the people I saw were foreigners, not even from America. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I don't. I, don't know. I also wanted to point out something too. You talked about the chips. You know, a lot of people don't even know 
a lot of these corporations and what they own and who owns what. Because a lot right. of those names we know are just subsidiaries in the first place. Yeah. Right. They're not companies. So, you know, you, you're you buying something you don't know is owned by Pepsi or you don't know is owned by Kraft or who's actually Philip Morris, you know? So I don't – I think that's, that's probably my other concern about boycott, about boycotting products. We don't – they're not – there really aren't that many corp, major corporations. They What happens is they have these little other branches where they own all these other companies and products. So you don't realize that if you're buying – uh, Weight, Weight Watchers uh, frozen dinner, you're buying a Duncan Hines product. You see what I'm saying? Right, so, right. That's another thing. How informed are we? On how, and also, if you want to survive, a lot they own pretty much damn near everything. Even these little right. parts, pieces, parts of your your cell phone, the parts that are in your cell phone at some of these major companies. So that we have to think about things like that when we say we're going to boycott a particular product. Yeah. I mean, can, they can, own can a I? lot. Can I ask a question though? Can I ask a question of y'all though? So I know everybody's talking about this getting together. I mean the boycott, but how the how how the hell is we gonna get everybody on the same page? Because I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I know uh, a good number of black people I know that that, that don't even be aware or their attention yeah. span is so short right that. that that you but won't be able to keep your attention exist. long enough. It's if you know, it's but like those people always before. exist. They're doing everything they before. They're doing mm-hmm. everything but, but sending the dogs after you. So I think for some people, they're not going to wake up to the point that something needs to be done until we're actually hanging, hanging black men from from trees, and there 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 are there are firemen turning the holes on you, and there are dogs attacking you, and they're telling you that you can't sit here or you can't eat there until they get the message. And I think part of that problem. I think part of the problem is that discussion of race has been changed to only mean those things that are blatant. So we think about racism. Oh, when it comes, you know, this is how is this racist? He didn't actually say the N word, or how is this racist? You know, no one said that you couldn't do this or do that because it's not blatant. Because that's that's what we've allowed the conversation to turn into. We allowed it to change into something different. I'm not saying we as in black people, I mean, you know, just a, as, as a country, as progressive thinkers at all. Um, I think that it's hard to fight racism when we don't even know what it is anymore. When it's become, under, not underground, but it hasn't been as blatant. We're not going to see people hanging from trees, you know, it's not, that's not going to be a common occurrence. And that seems to be the only way that we seem to think of racism is if we are actually enslaved. Look at and people like Alan West. He doesn't even think he has a black experience. It's not, it's not even black people. I mean, it's sad that it's black people, too. But there are a lot of white people that would be allies, that would be otherwise sympathetic. But it's like you said, until the racist blatant, they don't see it in others or in themselves. Racist mm-hmm. behaviors and characteristics and qualities and, and prejudices that they carry with them, and they don't think of themselves as racist because they don't hate black people. But people need to understand, you can be racist and you can be prejudiced without hating someone. You don't have to be a neo-Nazi or a member of the KKK to be racist. Mm-hmm. You know something, though, so, uh, another issue I see with a lot of the boycotts, they seem to be focused on each particular bubble or group. You know, I mean, and a lot of these groups don't, don't counter-support each other. A lot of black people won't. A lot of a lot of black people will not support the home, the, uh, the, the the equal rights movement and everything. I've really I've clashed with a lot of people who didn't agree with that and everything. And you know, as you know, like the student student loan reform, there's a lot of people who are not really saying much about that. And I mean, I'm in the school mm. house. Uh, forgive That's me. Huge, uh, huge. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, in now. What? I said that's huge too. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like you know that that's a battle that's being fought. You know, I don't think we're really winning that because the only thing they did was change the change the student interest loan rate to reflect the market and everything. And so each one of these each one of these little situations that we got going on are stealing away from each other. And but there's no way to focus on each one. Like you can't go down down a list. You can't get everybody on the same page. Hey, let's attack this problem right here. Then we work on that problem. We work on that problem. Everybody has a problem, and everybody has a solution, and everybody has a boycott or an idea. And the people in charge know that. And as long as they keep stirring the hardness, you know, doesn't matter. I think it's 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 a problem. Like I said, with as a side effect of integration. The, the the minority of black people, and again, it's only 12.6% of us in this country that that are here, um, are so branched out. And then the people who realize the problem and want to do something about that are even farther apart from each other. And it's a it's a problem of mobility. Even if you have solidarity, we can. It, it, it seems it seems so hard to broach that hurdle of coming together, physically coming together to brainstorm different solutions and implement those solutions on local and state levels. Well, you know what, though? You have a, you have the medium to do it because I'm old enough to remember the civil rights generation, you know, of the 60s and 70s because I'm in my 50s. And I'm going to tell you now, you have, the, you have the best solutions in hand to do it. It's just a matter of, of increasing your awareness of the tools that are out there to spread the information. But, you know, just something to keep in mind, too, is, during the civil rights movement, it was a three-pronged approach. You had protests that were going on all around the country. You had a boycott that was happening locally. But you had a whole lot of court cases that were going on in courts all yep. around the country to forward that. So you cannot do it with just protests or boycotts alone. You have to have that, that legal agenda in place that are furthering the cause by lawsuits. And that's how you got Thurgood Marshall to be a Supreme Court justice, by the way. You know, so you got to pick up a book and read about this stuff. It wasn't just a one a one uh, uh, pronged approach. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's and I agree with that one hundred percent. And that actually goes along with what I was explaining earlier in the show, which is that, um, or or in this segment, which is that we have to also do things locally, and and that um, and and by that I, I meant that we can. If we're all doing this locally, in L.A. we have a movement, and we have in Chicago we have a movement, in Florida, you know, and not necessarily Stanford, but let's say Miami, you have a movement of some sort. Um, if we're if we're all participating at the same time and it's a part of all under the same umbrella and if we give it the same name, I think that goes a lot further than yes. us just saying, you know, we're going to boycott as an entire entire state, or we're even going to do a blackout where we're not going to purchase things a certain day. I think I think well I think those are nice gestures I think they're great ideas on some level I don't necessarily think that's going to be a long effective sustainable change that's where I I look at because and that's what I was trying to get at at the legislation conversation we were having earlier because I don't believe that legislation is the only way but I do know that a lot of legislation is harmful and that does need to end and unless we end some of that harmful legislation such as uh, these drug the these drug laws such as mandatory minimums such as three strikes and so forth and so on, until we get some of these things off the books and start to put things in that will uh, encourage, develop uh, both economically and as far as health 
if, until we begin to do those things um, and get those things in the book, we're really not going to get as effective or as sustainable in our change as I think, in my opinion, as I think we'd like. And that goes along with looking at our economics. Who And I'm not saying, uh, I remember Joe brought up the point about the um, being a stockholder in a company, and I, and I wasn't trying to be completely dismissive of the idea. I just wanted to kind of tease that out a little bit because I wasn't really sure how that would work. And I'm still not 100% clear on that, but it doesn't mean that that isn't something that's a possibility either. just wanted to throw that out there too. Well, you know, you have to keep you have to keep a circular income stream. Most most people in poor neighborhoods are are throwing money out the door and getting very little in return in terms of services, in terms of investments. And you have to stop that bleeding of money. And that that's really a critical step in in an economic revolution. But that's a whole other subject for another day. But and, you know, in in regards to this, you have a momentum from the Trayvon Martin case, but what I'm seeing is People diluting that message by tacking on a million other issues to that that have nothing yeah. to do with Trayvon Martin. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. nowadays, yeah. yeah, yeah, nowadays you have uh, information streams, but what you have is a lot of fluff and garbage within those streams. Yeah. And you have yeah. to clarify, clarify yeah. the information. Like, you know, you I know, heard a I'll... show earlier where they were talking about the, the Koch brothers funding George Zimmerman. Well, they didn't, but a lot of people believe they did. So when you have that type yep. of disinformation and you step out into the arena, they chop you down quickly, quickly. You look like I a just want to point something out now that you've made that point to anyone listening. Um, it's really sad that in this day and age people can't take the time, like the five minutes or the, excuse me, the five seconds it would take to Google some information. But there are a lot of satire news sources out there, um, yep. number one. Number two, your Facebook friends aren't always right. So when you right. see something, before getting emotionally invested and deciding to share it with the world and get on a soapbox about it, could you please just, like, Google real quick and see what major media outlets or reputable science magazines or whatever mm. the case may be, depending on the situation, mm. is actually talking about this and reporting this and not just running, you know, gone with the wind on your quote-unquote news? Please. Mm. Or sharing articles from uh, The Onion. Or sharing articles from the Onion or Freewood Post, not realizing that those are hope, you know, that they're joke sites, you know, they're satire. That's, um, that's another that's thing. People hilarious. tend to do that, yeah. right? Or those, those things where they take a. <laughs> in fact, I saw this a lot with the whole uh, Trayvon with, with after the Trayvon Martin verdict, and everybody was talking about, well, how nobody's talking about this kid? And they start bringing up these pictures of white kids. It's like some long ass story about nobody's talking about this kid. This kid was shot by so and so. And then you Google the story, and it's nothing near close to the Trayvon Martin situation. Right. Um, but but it, it, that's why it's important to Google hit up Snopes dot was it Snopes dot com. Those kind of uh, sites are out there. Fact checks. That's another one. People need to learn how to fact check. Look for reputable yeah. sites. You know. So well, anybody that's, who uh, believes the onion needs to be point. punched anyway. Anybody who believes anything that they read in the onion, you fake. can't. Like if you there can't read that stuff and tell that it's fake, and you know, a lot of people can't. I'm just saying, if you can't look at that, then they, I mean that's that's just goes to, to show where our, where our mind is here in America, man. We so we don't got so dumbed down. It's pitiful, man. Like I, I wanted to say something. It's talking about the jury. When 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 you looking at something and you being objective about it, a damn book shouldn't matter. Okay, that's why you got that tool between your shoulders that you're supposed to use. But for some reason, here in America, it's always buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. 
and we're so scared to go outside of the box or outside of the book. That's why we get stuck in those places. Well, we're scared uh, to be creative and critically think. Yeah. And this is something at my job we say, you know, people talk, people talk about thinking outside of the box. Well, we always talk about blowing up the box, not just thinking outside of it, just completely get rid of it instead of trying to go buy the book. When, and it's okay to be creative. It's okay to think outside of that. And, and that, that doesn't mean that the, if there's anything wrong with going by the book. It just means that if, it, if going by the book has not been effective, then maybe it's time for us to look for some other ways to solve some problems. Um, I, I don't know if anybody else had, wanted to jump in on that. You know, I, I, I agree. You know, go ahead. You go ahead. No, I'm done. Yeah. Ooh, uncomfortable silence. Yeah, well, I'm no, just saying, I'm though, done. you know, you've got to be very, very careful. Look, they said it quote in, in The Wire, the best line in the whole series, if you go after the king, you better not miss. And and that's, right. that's the, you know, the most real the most real quote I ever heard. If you're going to take on somebody big, you better not miss. You better make sure your shot is aimed and true, because if you miss, you blow it. They're going to come right after you and take you down. And too many uh, folks are too angry with wrong information, and they don't want to look it up. And I keep telling them, you step out there, they're going to eat you alive. These Republicans are primed and ready and waiting. You know, you think they're, they're, they're dumb hicks? You'll be really wrong. You'll get your feelings hurt. So, you know, yeah. you've got to be prepared. And I wanted to comment on something someone said earlier, uh, talking about the student loan debt, uh, the, the bill were, uh, that's supposed to address that or raise those um, rates. There was actually a significant amount of organizing that had taken place, and also um, there were uh, politicians even that were fighting against that. I know here in California, uh, Karen Bass, who actually was originally a, a, a big-time uh, activist organizer out here in L.A., um, she was actually trying to organize students or get or encourage organizations in California to organize students against, or, and, and not only students but alumni to. Uh, Push for this reform in these for the student debt, you know. So I just want to point that to my brought that up earlier. But go ahead, whoever was going to speak. I think that one thing is next to impossible not to not to be emotional about a lot of things that you see and everything mm -hmm. on Facebook. And I think that's what a lot of things that we get caught up on that we get so caught up in the emotion and the sensationalism that we start it begins to, you know get further and further away from what the actual point of what is going on is and what the actual what the actual issue is. And, you know, I mean, because I, I watch it every time, you know, when I'm watching uh, um, the thing, whenever there's a big media sensation going on, we mm -hmm. all stop to pay attention to this media sensation when there are a lot of other things going on and yeah. we can't help ourselves. I mean, we're trapped, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, this is what's going on. This is the most important thing going on right here, and we're getting upset and we're getting pissed off, and we're ignoring a lot of things. There are things we're not accepting because we're pissed off, and there are things that we, you know, are you know, are completely overlooking and adding to it. And yeah. everybody has an opinion, and I think mm -hmm. that really dilutes whatever focus we're trying to have, whatever point we're trying to make. It gets so diluted in all this other stuff, and mm -hmm. it's really unnecessary. Mario brings up something that, that really, um, what well, reminds me of something that I wanted to bring up earlier, and it's that with the advent of um, media, especially social media, and how easy it makes it for us to, to get a bevy of information, a lot of people are in a state of constant anxiety and information overload. 
they can't focus or regroup enough to um, organize boycotts and demonstrations and what, whatever because they are constantly flooded by the new tragedy of the day or of the hour. Um, mm-hmm. So it, you can't focus on this one thing because it seems that that tragedy is everywhere, and you have to you have to narrow down your perspective and focus on what's most tragic, or just consume this information and shake it off so you can try to sleep at night. I think that, um, and the piggyback, piggybacking off of what both of you have just said, the problem is where sometimes, in my opinion, we can be a little too reactionary. And yeah. reactionary versus being proactive. And it's okay to have that fire. It's okay to react. I'm not saying that's wrong. But that has to lead to something. When do we take that fire, that consciousness, and that fire and make it action? And uh, something that is realistic something that is sustainable. How do we do that? Um, I also think that when we talk about um, being uh, these issues of, you know, well, hey, how does this, you know, react to a certain law or whatever it is, sometimes I ask people, well, where were you when we were voting on this law? Where were you when this was going through, when this was being pushed through? Because I know for a fact a lot of people um, in, in California, at least in L.A., we're fighting fought against a lot of the, even though they passed, at least, I, at least I and a lot of other people who are in our community could say, well, we fought, we fought hard, as opposed to saying we were being passive and we didn't move. And, uh, some, and sometimes we have to take these uh, these issues that may cause people to be reactionary and take them and use them as flashpoints. Use them as an example of how to address a much larger issue, as opposed to, Saying, oh well, why are we? Why do we care about this case? Let's go to the next one. How come we're not? How come we're not thinking about these other cases that are just like it, or even not even like it, but whatever. The point is that we have to get to a point where we take these kind of cases where where we do have this type of attention and use them as flashpoints to highlight a larger issue, which is what I think. Which is what I think is supposed to be taking place. Which I think people are desiring is, is taking place with this Trayvon Martin. Uh, Killing a murder, I like to call it this Trayvon Martin murder. Um, that's a flashpoint about addressing anti-black male violence or anti-black violence in the first place. Because he's not the. In fact, there was one guy who just recently got arrested because he shot a black kid for no reason. He argued with yeah. the kid that this kid yeah. stole from his house. The police yeah. didn't press any charges. They said, you're showing some video, and there's no evidence that this is this kid or, or his friends. You have zero evidence of this. We cannot do anything. And he decided to take matters in his own hands and kill a kid who was taking out garbage. So yeah, he was convicted. He was actually convicted. Well, yeah, he was, I know he was arrested. I know he... Uh, the video surfaced, and he definitely got charged. I didn't know he was also convicted, but that is, which is great. And I, but these kind of things happen. These kind of my point is that these kind of things happen, and they're not. I don't think they are as unusual as people want to make them. And it's not even just about there's actually uh, another white case like male that in Florida killing. about about a, a man who who fired into a car full of teenagers at a gas station because their music was too loud, and he killed right. one of them. His child yes. attending. Yes. Okay, he, said, also, he actually yes, hit the heard that he that. actually felt threatened by their loud hip hop music. He oh. fired at a gas station. He unloaded a gun. First, that was bad enough, but into a car full of teenagers, and he killed one. So he's yeah. facing yeah. three charges of attempted murder and one charge of murder. Yeah, and what well, about the guy who shot the back? Just, I, who shot his neighbor in the face and said it was just a nigga? When they asked him why he did it, well, it was just a nigga. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That's the man in the face. Who killed that kid? That, that's the guy I was talking about. He's the one who yeah, said that. Yeah, it was that. just a, 
Yeah, well, that, okay, that's the same one. But it's it, 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 it just yeah, sad to see how, how it's just sad to see how they start. Like I said, I'm just really glad all of this stuff is popping up, so we can go ahead and wake up and we can go ahead and make a move, whatever move we're gonna make. You know but, okay, but hopefully, we see them as interconnected. The problem is we don't even see them as interconnected. We see we think these are all separate incidents. We don't see them as mm. interconnected. We don't see this as a, a problem with the fact that we see black male bodies as a threat. The fact that we see black male bodies as dangerous. The fact that we see a black male presence as a, as something suspicious. That to me is a, a, also a large problem. And it goes back to address you know using social media as a way to address some of this. Because I also think it's media images, these negative media images of black males that that contribute to this anti-black sentiment. And that's not. That's another point that we can organize around, addressing having our own media outlets and pushing our own images, to even to well, our own people, not even just to the society at large. We're all pushing it amongst ourselves. So are, so are you still confident? I mean, that's the other thing I noticed with this Trayvon Martin case. I went to a town hall meeting, and I could see people's spirits were completely broken, especially a lot of the older people who were taking right. that grandchildren, or had children or grandchildren or even great-grandchildren, and these are people who fought in the civil rights movement, and they felt like all their work was in vain. That's how they felt. That's what they were expressing. They said, uh, in fact, one man got up and said, I walked, I marched, I protested, I boycotted. I did all these things because I hoped that my sons, that my grandsons, and that all of our sons, our black sons, would be able to live freely and be able to go to these places that where they weren't able to go before. And now to see that this man got off, the fact that this black male body was seen as something negative and okay to kill and the system backed up this person who killed this black male but to see that hurt him and when he said well, that you it know, was so just, I can give yeah. you some background on that because I grew up in the 70s when this came around the first go round and when I remember as a kid when I was going to uh, junior high school and I was 6 foot 4 and around 180 pounds in junior high school they used to distribute cards us, and I grew up in New York, by the way, they used to distribute cards to us telling you how to react to the police and what your rights are. And we need to go back to that again. I mean, I used to carry it in my pocket. It basically told you how to react to a police stop, what your rights were, what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot say. So I think it's time to revisit those things because mm -hmm. it, 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 this is just, this is just your, your view into a problem that has been going on a long time. When brothers were coming back from Vietnam, it was the same thing because brothers were coming back addicted and they were committing a lot of crimes and they became public enemy number one. So, you know, it's just a revisit. Instead of being the services here. they need right. to address their PTSD well, you know, I, and everything I, else, right? I have mentioned right. this several mm -hmm. times that I've been in conversations with people that anyone who does not understand um, the, the, the media um, agenda to portray black women as hypersexualized and uh, and um, black men as criminal, and of course black people in general as unintelligent, is simply not paying attention. And as I said earlier, black people only make up about 12.6% of this country's population. There are still to this day white people who have never seen a black person outside of television. Mm. That's true. And imagine That's that true. you and have he... never seen a black person before, and the only kind of black person exposure to the black community that you have is something like BET. Just let wow. that sink in for a minute. <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. I'd be scared of that. Or that's all I thought. You know, my, uh, my opinion, I think, and um, hear me out, I think the not guilty verdict was the best verdict to give because mm -hmm. with all this attention 
that is being focused on Florida and its laws, these draconian laws that only go to hurt minorities because you see what's happening, you can say, hey, well, this dude, this black dude was threatening me, you know, because he had his radio all loud and I can can shoot him and everything like that. And the onus is more on what was the black kid doing versus why is this lunatic shooting at a a car that's playing the radio? You know, I think it's, I think the fallout from this verdict is having a lot of ricochets and a lot of causing a lot of waves and putting a lot more spotlight on a lot of, a lot of other situations. Not to mention the fact Zimmerman is not free. He may be, may have been found not guilty. He may not be in a jail cell. That man is afraid of afraid for his life. Wanted that man, man is also still face he's also still facing possible other charges and and whatever else is going to come out from that, you know, one way or another, his his life is fucked now. You know, mm. I want to agree with you, but at the end of the day, I know a couple years will pass. People will forget the name George Zimmerman, even if they're still talking about Trayvon Martin. People might forget okay. what this man looks like. And the fact of the matter is, while this may be good to stir up the community, it is where is the justice for his parents still? At the end of the day, George Zimmerman is not incarcerated. He's very much alive. He is with yeah. his family, and these people lost their son and got absolutely no justice. The trial was a media circus. It might have been fixed from the beginning, probably was. And this man was able to say that what he did was God's will. This man, after the the whole um um car accident um the rescue that was staged, is now being hailed as a hero. They have to see the person who murdered their son be 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 uh, be you know get sympathizers and be elevated to this position of hero of Superman when he has not paid for for the crimes that he committed against Tray- Trayvon Martin when he took his life. They have to I, I believe that he will yeah, neither did Bernie I believe it will, one way or the other. Yeah, neither did the Central Park uh, jogger in New York. They sent, they sent, was it, four or five guys to jail for years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is just the event for your generation. But yeah. understand that the struggle's been going on a long time, and these events occur within every, I guess, 10, 15, 20 years. So this is just the latest one. And that's the yeah. thing, you know, I mean, you want to stem the tide so that there are fewer but at the end of the day, I don't know if you can eliminate them completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, Bernie Getz got a heroes. Uh, he, man, I remember the Bernie Get the day he shot those kids. I remember it because we were in a club in Manhattan, and I mean they gave that dude like the heroes welcome. Right? He was he was like they were like finally somebody standing up against these thugs. So I mean you know go back and research that case if you want to see some interesting commentary. I mean it stretches back some years, but check it out. Oh, I. Well, you know, the, you know, the, the, these the the, the right, these right wing, super conservative, most of them Christian lunatics. Man, uh, there was a case, and I, I said this before, in which these two kids went in the rod, went into the store to rob this uh, this white business owner. They they were they did have weapons. They went in robbing. He put out a gun, and started shooting. He caught one one of the dude. He fell on the floor. Other dude runs out the runs out the door. The owner chases him out the door. Now, apparently, he's unloaded the clip. He comes back in, goes to the back, gets another gun, comes out. This kid is laying wow. down. At this point in time, he is no longer a threat. He shoots this kid and kills him right then and there. You know what I'm saying? And so, at that point in time, you're looking on his social media, and is there everybody supporting him. Yeah, it's self-defense, self-defense. Yeah, because he shot a young black kid 
who was unarmed right. and probably dying at the moment and everything like that, he still ended up going to prison, though. But I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't, I mean, it, there was outcries of support for him because everybody mm-hmm. felt like he was justified in shooting kids. That was no longer a threat. You also have, uh, I mean, I'm, I hear my man talking about the, the things from from other generations. Like, I'm right here in Minnesota, and right up in Duluth uh, is a story that came from, like, maybe the 50s or 60s of a young man who walked, was walking down the street, and they figured that he looked at a, at a, at a white woman, and they, and they hung him, and they took pictures around, and they were shaking hands and smoking cigars. And yeah. when I found out about this, and I seen the pictures, and I was like, I was real disgusted because it was around the same time I had heard about the Trayvon Martin uh, situation. So I was like, man, they've been doing this to young black dudes for a long time. So what I'm trying to figure out is if they've been doing it to us for so long and we haven't been able to come up with a solution in this long, where 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 are we going to get it at? That's why I said only thing we got left now is to become physical. You know what I'm saying? Because they always going to be physical with us whenever they get a chance to. You know what I'm saying? Like, we saying that we want to go talk it out, but they don't never want to talk it out. But here's you know what you're feeling to understand. If there's a group of 50 black men that's violent, all 50 of you will be arrested. It's not the same as during a KKK protest when things get out of hand and they just arrest the ringleader and everyone goes right. home. They are looking mm-hmm. for a chance to arrest you. Black yeah. men and Latino men make up a huge disproportionate amount uh, of the prison population. And, and, they want and to I take your rights away. And and so if you give them an opportunity to arrest you, they are going to take the opportunity and, to arrest you. And I, I understand where you're coming from, and I'm not saying that that's definitely what you have to do. But in my mind, that's just the last resort because we've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, and it hasn't it hasn't produced anything positive. Okay. And then another thing is, uh, our we got to get we got to do something about the, the the way they portray us in the media. We got to do something about the way they put, portray us in the video. We talk, I just got done talking about how women t- today, if I look on Facebook right now, I can see 50 pictures of a naked-ass black woman who you don't know her name. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But that's uh, not really their responsibility. Right, that's we ours. are the ones that are taking these pictures. We're the ones that are putting out these YouTube videos. I really feel like if we make a huge me- to make a huge media impact, we need black actors and actresses. We need black filmmakers and producers to say, you know what, I'm tired of the shucking and jiving yes. a la Tyler Perry. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm tired of the scantily clad DC There was a time the when... There we was have a time that, when we had positive black images. There was a time. Remember the 90s? Anybody forget that? Yes. We had some yeah. really great positive black images during that time. And apparently a white America or a corporate America or the film industry shut that shit down. You Black women talking about they can't yeah. even get a role now. And they can't unless you're who? Halle Berry or Paula Patton? And, they, and Paula mm-hmm. Patton is in shitty movies. So I don't and I know. Remember, I mean, Viola Davis is coming up now, but everyone remembers the backlash to her for being dark skinned. And then when she had the nerve to wear her natural hair, they're like, "Oh, oh, Viola, you're dark and nappy. Right. No, you can't be in Hollywood, honey." And it's like, really? And, and I hated the help. I wish, and I wish I there were more roles. Oh, I hated that movie to play. too. I'm sorry. I hated it. I hated I it with a passion. And I wish that there yeah. were more roles where so Viola Davis doesn't have to take roles like that. But we need to be responsible for that. Robert Greenlee made this. He's the one who who made this cuckoo sat by the door. He wrote the book, right. and then he made his own movie. And he made a strong point. He said, I had to, I had to raise the money and do all this stuff in the 70s to make that movie. Whereas now, you guys have technology at your fingertips. You don't need nearly as much as I needed to make a film to put something out there. You have all these media outlets. You have YouTube. You have you know, daily... What's the other one called? Daily Motion. You have these 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You have all these various outlets. To, you have the technology. We have the access. How come we're not doing more with it? And I actually agree with Robert Greenlee when he said that. They're you not know, doing um, more because they like the, the vision. Help, I mean, honestly, is that movie that made me want to punch somebody in the face, and that's why I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the hell? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's, I think the help my was a big racist ass piece of shit. Personally, I thought it was a big racist ass piece of shit movie, but yeah. whatever. That's I can go. But into everyone that knows all that day. it was a movie to engineer um, Emma Stone's um, Oscar nomination. That's what it was really about. Let's get this white girl Oscar nominated. Any every white actress was fighting for this role because they knew if they got that role, that's instant Academy Award nomination. But I, you know, I, mean, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't. I don't even think it was that good. But whatever. No, I they never are. I don't it doesn't matter, though, but you're talking, about, you're talking about black people being downtrodden. I mean, really, this was like the bootleg version of The Long Walk Home. Everybody remembers that movie with um, Spacek and, and Whoopi Goldberg. It was mm. pretty never much the same that. thing. You have then, a downtrodden black lady and nominated, the white lady though? that helped her. Didn't want those actresses yeah, to get nominated? Uh-huh. I think it was, yeah. was it Viola Davis that got nominated? She did, and Emma Stone did as well. But every, but people who have not watched a long walk home, it's basically a movie starring a movie Goldberg and Fifty Spacey. Um, and basically, it's about the nice, the the the, the, the prejudiced um, white woman that becomes the nice white woman and helps the downtrodden black maid during the bus boycott. It's pretty much the exact same movie without the fluff and circle of the help. It was a much better done movie, even though that movie also made me want to punch. <laughs> but you know, um, my thing is, you know, I don't watch, I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of those movies anyway because most of them are either boring or dumb or not really well done. Anyway, I, I, if I'm watching a movie, I'm watching a movie being entertained. And mm-hmm. I went to see After Earth, which had, which was the only movie, the only large black blockbuster movie to come out with two leading roles filled by black people, and it tanked and it was a piece of shit. But I still went to go see it. Anyway. I like that movie. And, uh, I thought it would be a good yeah. made-for-TV movie. It would, if it was on TV, yeah. Yeah. y'all would yeah. like it. Made-for-TV. Made-for-TV. Well, look, 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 look what happened with Red Tail. I mean, that's that's oh, that historical, was, and we know that, and we know that to be true. Oh, and that man, movie that, didn't didn't do anything. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. Let's rewind. I didn't. I purposely didn't watch that shit. Let me tell you why I didn't watch that shit. What's the oh, fuck? I know what you gonna say. Oh yeah. What's the name? George Lucas. George Lucas' yeah. ass made me not want to watch that shit. When he talks, to tell him something. He's talking about black savior. Get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry. Tell us how you really feel. I didn't know. I didn't know I, I, mean, I touched a nerve like that. Huh. Yeah. Tell us how you sorry, really feel. I didn't want to watch it. Yeah. Every time I look around, I'm being told, yo, 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 go see this movie because it's about us and about us. And I get get to watch the movie. It's a boring ass movie. And then when I'm watching the movie, yeah. The CG is well done. It's very, but it's such a generic story, almost paint by numbers. About uh, yeah. um, saver, black saver story. You got the evil white guy. You got the inspiring black guy. You got Cuba Gooding Jr. who didn't even need to be in the damn movie. And then you got you know all. I, I will say this: awesome CG um, playing, uh, um, fighting. You know, uh, airplane fighting. Um, the, the visual effects, I enjoyed that. But then, as I'm watching one of the explosions, I noticed that there are four guys running in, running on the foreground who make the exact same movement. And because I rented it, I rewound it, and they digitally copied this same dude. And it's like, 
that's some lazy shit. You don't even know that dude's name. You could have just hired four dudes. I mean, so you know, I, I, you know, it was, you know, but I, you know what too? But, I think I also think they don't take the time because it's about us. So they think they could just kind of throw it together, and they're like, well, just because it's them, they're going to identify and pay for it. Well, and and, and that goes into the, 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 the taking us back, you know, into the issue of these black images that we're seeing. And the fact that we, which I think we're try, we we get these little fake uh, images. Oh, let's put some positive black people. But you know, the other problem with putting the positive black people somehow they end up being saved by white people or they're serving white people. Um, mm. and, and so I, we got to really change uh, our media images, and ha- we need to uh, be, be more effective in that. Um, I actually mm-hmm. want to wrap this up because I am tired. I appreciate I everyone. I it is. I have been working since three o'clock this morning. Anybody who anyone who's on my Facebook page, oh, man. Me, I, check, I, <laughs> I have a morning show I do uh, out here in LA. So it is very, yeah, it's very, very early, and I'm very, very and tired. I'm, but I do appreciate every single person. And I'm supposed to be working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be working myself, and I'm talking to you. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. calling in, though, Carrie. Joe Neckbone, you, this is your first yes. time calling in, right? I have no idea. I talk on so many shows, yeah, I, I lose track of them after a while. <laughs> well, check out the rest of our shows. Uh, we, we, we're, we're a network, actually. We have different shows like every other day or every day. I don't know if it's every day or every other day. My show is every other Thursday. Um, we have other shows on our network, so we have another show coming up tomorrow. Um, and that's with uh, Carl and who's that? Alfred and Carl, and they're going to discuss hegemonic privilege tomorrow night. Um, but please check out the rest of our shows. Uh, again, thank you, everyone. Um, th- of course, special, special thanks to my co-host and co-producer, uh, Emmeline Mousseau. And I appreciate yeah, what you stayed awesome, on for the... Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Em. Um, and also, shout out to Deborah. De- I'm sorry, Deborah, for calling in earlier and staying on with us. Thank you so much, Deborah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Carrie, of course, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you calling in. And tell people when your show is. Oh yeah, I, I, you know my show. It's it, it, it's called it's a, it's a blog talk. It's called Gentleman's Touch Radio. Uh, mostly I do uh, artist showcase, but I do my shows Monday, Wednesdays, and Friday. Uh, if I have a uh, if I have a special interest, I'll throw a Thursday show in there. Actually, I'm gonna be on air tomorrow at four o'clock. If any of y'all want to check me out, man. Okay, thank awesome. you so much, Carrie. Um, thank you, Mario, for calling in. I'm so glad you actually called in. I thought you were just going to listen, but I appreciate you calling in. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, everyone, and I hope you guys have a wonderful evening. Again, you are listening to On Blast with Vita Star on Black Free Thinkers Radio. I want to close out with some more Ryu Kim verses. They were our guests on our last show, and I, thought, I think everyone loved their music. So big shout-out to them, to Graydon Square, and see you guys. Good night, everybody. Always around when the trouble comes I'm the atheist that gives a bad name to the other one You should be gone when my brothers come If you're here when they get back, then exit will be troublesome You'll be torched in battle Sixteen hundred bars apiece and forced to travel You're just one in the horde of cattle Infant sheep need a shepherd to protect you from a wolf As it feeds on the lesser Disorient your flock like M.P. Escher No, I won't throw the gold board away for simply checkers Just Chester We used to battle to see who was fresher we call each other hate over Twitter when we're under pressure. The greatest tag team to rep a stable. Grab a table, wreck it at a show, or reject the label. Check your cable if you're searching for commercial shit. Right, you can burst the skill with purpose from the service. So what you hear is not.
have to dap it up. You live to tell the tale and that's what's up. Now these actors blasting buck on some gun sheet. Battle of the dumb. Right, you can see the save you. Shooting for some page views. Shocking with the lyrical skills we came to taste you. Blaze through your ordinary, extraordinary crew. Recorded because you're gaudy with the news. Reported to the news on some TMZ tip. Yo better stay neutral with your DMZ clicks. Focus on your weak shit while we dig deep with our eyes on the prize. No one needs them. Like a 